everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 211 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net, the world's most advanced gaming website. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host of Game Face. Uh, for the next hour or two, we're going to take you around the video game industry to share all the biggest stories, games, and much more. Alongside me to do that today is Mr. Matt Kyle. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not much. Back from the cartoon world. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you don't know what Matt's talking about, we're going to share that in just a minute. And we got Mitch, the only person in the actual office handling Game Face at the TriCaster. What's going on, Mitch? How's your week been? It's been a, it's been a good week. been doing a lot of computer stuff, not just a, a PC, but a laptop as well. And for yep. the record, everyone's mic is on. It's not just my mic during before we start the show. It's not just me. <laughs> Yeah, starting the show is a little different than it used to be now that we're from home. We used to have music playing and stuff like that while you guys waited for the stream to start. But with the way that things are set up, we can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Mm. So we, we just sit there silently and then we wait for the countdown from Mitch and then we we kick it off. Uh, it's going to be that way for a while, so get used to it. Yeah, they just announced today in California that we're locked down till the end of July. Is that right? Yep. LA County announced they're extending stay at home to July, yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's game face to me. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Game face is going to be like this for a while. Uh, I think we've figured out most of the kinks, though. Uh, I know the show is a lot better looking and sounding than it was the first couple weeks that we did this. So mm -hmm. uh, we're working to make it as good as we can. Uh, we're doing the best that we can remotely. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find me, Shane Satterfield, at Dinfire. You can find Matt Kyle at M Kyle. That's K E I L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S I K O R. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and uh, you want to kick us a couple bucks, head over to patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, sifted is 100% supported by uh, user donations. So we'd really appreciate it if you could head on over there. So. Before we really get on with the show proper, uh, this week, a sister... Also, Sound Wizard's starting early. Yeah, he's a Sound Wizard. We're at the hype train at level three, and the show just kicked off. Sound Wizard, you're the man. I saw Johnny Hurricane subscribe with Twitch Prime. Thank you for that. Um, I think uh, Tomb Raiders also subscribe with Twitch Prime. Thank you for that. Um, and speaking of our community... This week, uh, one of the sifters reached out to me and was like, hey, I've been working on this cool thing uh, for a while, and I was wondering if you would mind taking a look at it and then maybe running it if you want to. Now, some of you guys may have already watched Sifted HQ this morning, the new episode, and it is in there, but this is so awesome that I want to run it both in HQ and in Game Face because more people need to see this. And I'm not going to explain anything. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, Mitch, just roll it. And so, like, I'm sure there will be, my guess is the beginning of the game is going to send you out on some, like, crazy, awesome, badass Viking raid, like what you're describing. But then, uh, then you'll leave. You, you, burn, you torch the place, you kill the, kill the, you know, you loot the stuff, and you kill the people, and you take the things, and you, whatever. And one of the things you, you loot happens to be An a apple. civilization. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like, like, that's going to be that village's, like, sacred object or something, and you take it, and somebody's like, don't take it, and you take it, and the whole sh place shakes, and, they, you know, like... I swear to God, I don't have any inside info on this game, but I guarantee you. <laughs> and you sail back, and they'll put this, the title Assassin's Creed Kingdom up as you sail into the harbor of your home Viking village, 
and everybody will come out, and you'll, you'll do like the slow walk through the whole village <laughs> back up to like, the Look long house. Back. Like, oh, okay. like, the kids will run out, and the like, dog will come out, and your character will pet the dog, so you like your character now because he pets dogs, and you get up to the long house, and the, the chief, who's like probably your dad or your uncle or something, comes out, and like, it's like, what have you brought back? We brought back many things. You know, like yeah. a, and then they'll have the whole thing, they'll find this thing, and it'll like, <laughs> go like, and it'll like, it'll like dissolve somebody important, and then they'll blame you for it, and you have to leave the village and go out into the world and recruit your whole group and then you'll run into somebody who's like some kind of proto-assassins guild guy and you'll end up like helping them and then they'll find out you have one of those artifacts like oh I'm going to stick with you and then that's how you're going to end up (laughs) on this whole quest to figure out what the Templars are doing and all this I mean you know I'm right you know that's exactly what this fucking game is that's how they all play out but that's what I'm saying I would want something different from that so when you sent me this Shane (laughs) I was like this is fucking fantastic (laughs) And Matt, so many people have commented already saying they can never look at you the same way again. <laughs> okay, so I want to say that was created by Cartoon Tom, uh, a sifter. That's his name on Sifted. And I just want to give massive freaking props. I have watched that 20 times, and I still laugh my butt off every time I watch it. Um, well, I mean, it was funny when Matt delivered that monologue. Honestly, If you watch mm-hmm. the show, I am laughing the whole freaking time. Uh, so it was funny the first time he did it. And then to see an animation of everything that he was going through in his mind. It's yeah, I, so I think definitely great. Keep that in your back pocket for when the game comes out, because I think I'm going to be pretty right <laughs> yeah. about most of that. Of the part where he gets, and then he disintegrates. Yeah. <laughs> the guy just disintegrates mm-hmm. into particles. It's so amazing, man. And look, I don't want you guys to get your hopes up. Like, this isn't a recurring thing on Sifted or anything. Uh, as you can see, that was from Game Face, like episode 163. Um, and so it takes a long time to do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, Although it I, ended up timely. It anyway. did. I mean, I don't know if that was the case. Like, maybe he saw that all the Valhalla stuff was coming out, and he's like, oh, maybe I should finish that now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But just an amazing, amazing job. I wish we could have that in HQ every week. We could have cartoons like that. But it's so much work, and I think he has, like, a day job and all that other stuff. Right. But anyway... Cartoon Tom, thank you, man. That was freaking awesome. Uh, really, really great work. All right, let's kick off the show proper. Uh, we're going to talk about a topic that's going to make Mr. Matt Kyle very, very happy. Um, and that is that this week, Venture Beat reported uh, it was sitting on an EA conference call for financials. And the report that Venture Beat published afterwards stated and this wasn't even conjecture or like i heard literally in a sentence jeff grubb i believe yeah. the uh, at the very writer, end of the article too the last like, thing he point, writes just is it. oh hey by the way a, a remastered mass effect trilogy is coming and mm-hmm. it's like what like and you read the headline for the story it doesn't even mention it it's I, I vincent did a good job again with the blurb for that because he was like just like Jason Schreier, Jeff Grubb knows how to bury a lead because mm-hmm. Schreier would always have these little nuggets in his stories that were more important than the headline, and he would never promote the nugget that was that yeah. people well, would the, care about. The other thing I would maybe argue there is that maybe Grubb knew it was the important part, but his editor didn't. Uh, that's possible. Um, because he was immediately on Twitter saying, like, y'all read the last sentence of that article, right? Oh, he was. Like, okay. So, like, that was how I saw it was he was his tweet about, like, the last sentence, by the way, guys, was, like, flying around. And I'm like, what? Oh, okay. 
Like yeah, that's so a, nonchalant to. I mean, it's a bombshell. It's huge. <laughs> I mean, it's been, I mean, I guess I, sometimes I forget when I find out about things. So I knew I knew that was coming. I just didn't. I guess it wasn't confirmed. I think you've now. mentioned it before. Yeah. You never really said, I know for sure it's coming. I wasn't sure said, it was this year. I hoped yeah. it was this year, but like, yeah. who knows what scheduling is going to end up being because of all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it looks like that's actually going to happen, which is cool. I mean, I have been itching to do a Mass Effect playthrough during all this isolation stuff, but I guess I'll wait on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How excited are you for this, Matt? Coming pretty, this year. Pretty. I mean, I'm, I... To be fair, you know they all still work on Xbox One. Like they're, you know, I have them all ready to go on that. I'm just curious what what kind of quality of life improvements will we get? Are they tweaking the first game at all? Because the first game is uh, rough, yeah, in some ways. It's, it's hard to um, play. Like my guess today. is it's just going to be an uprezzed thing. Oh, you really you think know? so? Just yeah. like it. I don't think they're going to remake the first game to play like the other two or anything like that. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's just going to be a straight port with better textures and. So you think they will go in and redo some textures? You don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw better textures, some better, um, you know, what some about maybe models? better models, uh, better yeah. meshes. Um, maybe some if they ha still have the original files, some higher quality versions of the pre-rendered stuff. Um, it should be cool. Like, it'd be cool to see that final battle in, at the end of one in full 4K or something. If yeah. Can, if they can master it properly. I mean, they um, kind of have to retexture the first one. If it, at the like, very if least, it, you have to retexture the first one. I mean, I think you will get a full retexture remake. But I don't, I'm saying, like, I don't think they're going to change the gameplay. I don't think they're going to, yeah. you know, it's still going to be a massive inventory grind. It's still going to, you know, the, 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 the Mako is still going to control yeah. like shit. It's, I mean, I love that game, but like, it's yeah. the worst of the three. Yeah, uh, for sure. Outside I mean, of the story, that's pretty um, typical. Yeah. It's got the. I think it's got the best sort of like world building, sort of entry into the universe stuff. I think it has the the only good villain. Um, Saren is uh, the only really strong villain in the in the trilogy, um, and the meeting with Sovereign is one of the all time great RPG moments in gaming. But uh, overall, especially having played it five times, um, <laughs> including the Insanity play, the Insanity playthrough is just hilarious tedium because the co combat system completely breaks down because on Insanity, the enemies can use this like invincibility shield over and over again. And you are basically invincible anyway if you're upgrading properly and you've done a New Game Plus thing. So it kind of, a lot of, especially the side quest stuff ended up with like, enemies would all turn on this like white life bar shield and I would just sit there with my eternal gun because I had upgraded the gun to the point that it would never overheat and I just held the trigger and so it was just me <laughs> kicking a guy into the corner and holding the, the gun on and like firing like the machine gun on him until finally his it, it, like it took minutes and minutes and minutes to just sit there and like hammer this guy until his invincibility wore down and then he get, died in five seconds but like that was the whole playthrough and so um, I find two and three's gameplay to be infinitely better. Oh, yeah. It's night and day. I mean, that's pretty typical. You know, the first yeah. game presents a world and ideas and hopefully gets you hooked. And then the second game really starts to hone down. You see that with a lot of bands and their albums, too. It's very mm -hmm. similar. Uh, their first album, they kind of established their sound. It's all the songs that they've been playing that maybe it took them six years to write. Uh, and then their second album, they do the whole thing in like a year and a half and their sounds there already. And you're like, this really is what mm -hmm. the band is. So. There's just an element of like, um, this is the first installment weirdness to Mass Effect 1. Like, they, you know, the, the, the setup's good. The music's there. The, the characters are there for the most part. But it's two that figures out what the universe is supposed to be. They yeah. bring in the elusive man that kind of anchors the whole thing. Whereas Cer Cerberus, Cerberus is sort of a 
like a side idea in the first game. And like, it's almost bizarre. I remember playing two for the first time. I think it's, it's bizarre that this like three side quest background organization is suddenly like the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it works. I mean, it's, it's really good. Well, it's but clever it's, too. If you go back and you play that first game now, you, you'll notice more of the mentions about. Yeah, it feels like it's planned. It's like Star Wars. Like the first Star Wars, yeah. there's all you know. First Star Wars has no idea what Empire Strikes Back is going to be, and then Empire Strikes Back like expands things and changes things and, and fleshes out all this stuff. And you can go back to Star Wars and be like, oh yeah, look at all the the hints that he's his father. They had no idea Darth yeah. Vader was his father until halfway yeah, through. Yeah, until it happened. Empire. Yeah. But if you if you do it right, like you can you can build off that and it works and it's really good and mass effect does that too uh Matt, until the until the end of three do you think uh bioware is working on these maybe you know if bioware is working no on i don't think they are i don't okay. know that for sure but i i think they're probably consulting i'm sure there's people at bioware sort of like some people may be happy off. about that, that yeah i mean i don't think i'm not going to claim <laughs> anymore that bioware is the secret sauce for anything yeah me if either. i'm being honest yeah. like i hope that they're they have people kind of like Riding herd or like checking off on on this remaster and whatever this Kotor remake remaster thing is. Mm -hmm. um, like I hope there's people who know who are sort of like sitting there like nodding as it goes past them on the conveyor belt at least. Um, but I'm fine with Bioware not doing this in house. I, I think uh, I think everything's there already. There's plenty of talented remaster and up up res up port studios that can handle it them themselves. Um, I'm curious to know who it is. Um, I'd be interested to know who EA is trusting for this. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be. I don't, I don't. I don't need to be uh, Edmonton on this one. Uh, I think they can keep keep working on Dragon Age Four because uh, that's what they need to get out right now. Hey, Mitch, what's your experience with uh, Mass Effect? You were probably pretty young when they were first coming out. Did you ever play them? I know you said you yeah. were your Xbox 360 guy. Yeah, so when I first bought an Xbox 360, one of the first games I bought was the original Mass Effect, not knowing that this was a huge franchise. So I played the trilogy. I'm actually, I finished three when I was in college, a freshman in college. Um, and I really liked the series. So for me, I think it's a little too soon for it to come back, for me to have the motivation to go play it again. If it came out maybe five years from now, I might have motivation. But I think it's just still too soon. Um, if it was a new game or completely remade from the ground up, then it would have more of my interest. Well, I think the advantage of this is that this will be here going forward into the next generation and they're yeah. available for you whenever you decide you do want to go back to it. And by then it'll be really cheap. Yeah, um, once they're 4K, you're done. It's like well, you're not going to have to remake them again for like 20K or something. Yeah. So like, this will this will be there. Like it's it's a good future proofing of the trilogy, I think. Uh, and I am ready, you know, even as someone who's put 700 hours into this trilogy, I'm ready to go back and do it again. Um, I am continually struck by how much that, I mean, that trilogy is my favorite thing of last generation by yeah. far. Um, and it's weird to me how much I don't like Dragon Age as much. <laughs> um, I don't think and, you're alone in that though. It depends. Like I have a lot of friends who prefer Dragon Age. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, saying it's not, out of the ordinary for someone to like one and not like the other. Yeah, I think I think they, you know, the the settings cater to different different people. And yeah. I'm not actually a huge fantasy or sci-fi person, like outside of games. Like I don't read fantasy novels or science fiction novels. More science fiction, like classic stuff, if I'm interested. But like, I just don't find a lot in them in terms of like a literary. I like I like them as a setting more than a 
like a like a, a, a genre, I guess I would say. And I prefer space opera above all because I prefer, I prefer my sci-fi stuff to be like Star Wars or Valerian, uh, the comic, not the movie, where it's um, it's just a setting. It doesn't matter. It's basically fantasy. Like, like I don't yeah. care how, if you want to do some weird shit like Treasure Planet where you're just sailing, you're sailing tall ships through the ether of space, awesome. <laughs> like, you got a story for that? Like, I'm in. I'm totally yeah. in. And uh, Mass Effect kind of does it. Mass Effect has some hard sci-fi in it, but it has that space opera sort of like, heightened like epic storytelling to it that i like a lot and it focuses mostly on characters that's why i always call mass effect 2 like mass effect 2's beginning and end are a little weird and it has one of the strangest final bosses in the history of anything <laughs> yeah, um, right, yeah. but like what mass effect 2 basically is is a short story collection like every crew member gets their own short story that fleshes them out and makes you yeah. care about them and that's a that's a structure that you just don't really see in games much. That's like true. that's a brilliant yeah. way to approach that. And to its credit, the, all the crew members in that second game, even if they're only basically like incidental appearances in the third game, I care so much about them. Oh yeah, it makes like, a it, huge just, it just makes it keep going. So um, I, I don't just think it's a great game and a great series. I think it's something you can learn a lot about how to tell a story in a game. At least a traditionally structured one. There's a, you know you can yeah. learn something totally different from like Night in the Woods or something, but uh, or Undertale. But yeah. um, in terms of like kind of big budget structured classical style storytelling, like Mass Effect does it in a way that I don't know if any other major AAA production has managed outside of the Naughty Dog world. And um, Dragon Age just and although I'm a weirdo on Dragon Age because I like Dragon Age two and three better than one. Everybody seems to like the first one. I think the first one is, is the same as like kind of Mass Effect one, where it's like, this is archaic and weird and it doesn't grab me the same way these others do. Some people like archaic. <laughs> I guess. Well, the PC version of Dragon Age one is way better than the console one. So if you, yeah. like, usually if someone doesn't like the first game, you can tell, oh, you played it on Xbox 360. Yeah. Like, but like I played it on both and I hate it. I hated it both times. So it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't replay games hardly at all, so it probably won't come as a big surprise to anyone that uh, I'm probably not going to replay the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, especially considering how big the games are. I remember playing through those as they came out, and at certain points, I was like, "Dang, like is this, Although, doing how them long again, is this thing?" Doing them again is much faster. I think I'm sure. Uh, because I don't, I'm not trying to speed run anything, right? But by mm -hmm. the time I played the first game, I think the third time. I the because my first playthrough on that was you know hundred percent every I did everything it's like seventy hours and then I did hundred percent everything on my Renegade playthrough and I think it took me like thirty three oh wow um, so okay. it was much That's faster a big once, difference. yeah That's once out. I because like part of it is just like that Mako stuff roaming roaming around the planets once you know where everything is yeah I can see that difference. Yep. Yep. Um, or even just play if someone were to play with a strategy guide. Like I don't bemoan someone if they've already played a game once to mm -hmm. play it the second time with a guide like. And if you, yeah. if I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I can get through a full trilogy playthrough at, at a leisurely 100% completion pace, probably around 90 hours, 80 to 90 hours. Which yeah, isn't that's that bad. Still a, that's still a big commitment. It's though. a big chunk, but it's like <laughs> half an Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't see myself replaying it. I do see myself, however, recommending it to everyone who has never played it. And I think that's what's probably most important about this upcoming release is that there's this whole generation of people who have never played Mass Effect, maybe had never even heard of it. Uh, the, the kids younger than Mitch, that generation younger than Mitch, the, to them, they don't even know what Mass Effect is, and they're in for a very pleasant surprise. So 
Um, I'll be an evangelist. I'll champion it. But will I actually plant my butt down in a chair and spend a hundred hours with it again? Probably not. But uh, as you said, you play earlier, a little bit of it. Yeah, I will, of course. But I won't play. I won't finish it again because I know what happens. <laughs> Especially with RPGs, it's really hard for me to play them again. Yeah. Well, that's the advantage of this this series. This series for me is like I'm not there to really be there for the what happens. I'm there to, to see the characters again, to see them. Yeah. It's almost like it's the same reason I like them, you know, Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe so much is like, even when you're talking about kind of the middle of the road movies, like I just want to see those characters again. I just yeah. want to spend some time with those characters, and yeah. I don't care if it ends with a blue light in the sky or not, you know. Uh, and Mass Effect ends with that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a light shoots up in the sky, everything goes crazy, and somebody somebody has to make a very hard decision. Except yeah. it's not that hard a decision, not the decision we thought we were making. But here we are. Yep. Um, so anyway, we don't know the exact date for it. Uh, it looks like it's PC, PS4, and Xbox One for now. No Switch version announced yet. It could yeah, they, they actually, I think someone very specifically said it's not on Switch. It's not coming um, to Switch. I mean, I don't see any reason it couldn't. Their last game. Games. I think they said not a Switch at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I would be surprised if it didn't get there eventually. Wait, didn't the whole trilogy launch for Wii? Or I'm no, sorry, Mass, Wii, Effect, Wii Mass Effect Three. Just three, that's right. Because we thought it was going to be the whole trilogy. It ended up just being... Yeah, we thought it was like sort of like a laying the groundwork to put the other two out. And that's, I mean, never the happened. rumors of a remastered collection pretty much started with that Wii U version. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And here we are. <laughs> the Wii U. It was good for something. Here I we are all those years later, and it's still not on the Nintendo platform. It's <laughs> true. But I would be surprised if it doesn't get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. I would be too. There's it's The too other advantage of this, of course, is that Presumably, it will be sixty dollars or less, and that is still cheaper than buying all three and all the DLC because oh, yeah. EA doesn't drop the freaking DLC prices for anybody. Um, it's if you were to buy those games, even if, you could get the main games pretty cheap on sales and stuff, but the DLC rarely goes on sale. I think in the end, I for the PC version, I ended up actually paying full price for the DLC for like two and three. And I, it cost me like a hundred bucks. Like it was <laughs> for like a, for like a 10 year old game. Like, yeah. it, you know, and so, yeah, this is definitely the most economic way to get into it. Yeah. Cause you get all of it. You get yeah. all the DLC, everything in one package. So it's going to be a good deal. If you haven't played the mass effect trilogy, the original trilogy yet you're in for a treat. So definitely something to pencil in. We finally know when it's going to come out. My guess is probably the fall. Yeah. Um, my, it feels like a September if it was going to be earlier than that, they would have announced the date or at yeah. least the window. So yeah. it's looking like it's going to be later in the year. So you have plenty of time to save up your cash for it. Yeah, um, it feels like a good early fall release before the big stuff comes out, but when you still have some time. But after Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go up against Cyberpunk. Yeah. Unless Cyberpunk slips. Which That's true. Yeah, Cyberpunk could kill, could kill that game. In all yeah. honesty, if you release around it, Cyberpunk could kill just about anything. It's true, like, but that in particular, a sci-fi yeah. action RPG. Yeah, it's almost. It's I mean, it wouldn't stop thing. me. Sure, but it would. I would probably play Cyberpunk first. Right. So if they came out on the same week, you would play Cyberpunk. You wouldn't play Mass Effect trilogy, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I would. I would play some Mass Effect trilogy to see what it looked like. Sure. But I, sure. the bulk of my week would be Cyberpunk. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next week. We're going to talk about a Wii U game. I don't know how the Wii U has swirled into uh, this episode so much, but it Time has. Time is a flat circle. And apparently <laughs> it has a touch, a touch screen on it. Uh, and we're going to talk about the wonderful 101. It just launched for Switch, not without some hiccups. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, the timing for this is terrible because it was really caught up with the whole COVID-19 coronavirus thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then they sent out blank codes to switch owners. Yeah, that was Platinum weird. Did. Um, that, was a, that was an interesting mistake. Yeah. So they've had problems with launch, but it's now there. It's out there. You mm-hmm. can play it. And Matt, in fact, has been playing it. I played it back when it came out for the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been quite a while. I only remember vague things about it because the whole game was so bizarre. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a drug trip. Yeah. Um, so I'm playing it on PS4. Um, because so I, I did, I backed the Kickstarter uh-huh. and I ordered a PS4 digital copy and a switch physical copy. So the physical copies got delayed because of the pandemic. So they sent the PS4 code to me and they sent me a steam code to make up for the lack of a switch version. That, How is that, that supposed to work? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, what if I didn't have a computer <laughs> right. that could run it? I, I mean, like, oh, I mean, so now I have all three versions, I guess. Um, Why wouldn't they send you a Switch download code? I don't get it. I don't know. What the hell? So I don't know. But I, I, but I put it in on the PS4 because uh, that was the easiest. And uh, so I've been play- I played like the first three missions, like three main story mission things. Um and I'm beginning to remember it more. You know, I hadn't played it since it came out on the Wii U. Um, and my, my main takeaway is it's, it's actually very funny. Um, and, like, it has a sense of humor that, like, Platinum games don't generally have. Yeah. Um, and they must have done a lot of research on, like, American comic. Because it is, like, very steeped in sort of the Sentai Power Rangers style stuff. Like, the, uh-huh. like there is an element of, of very Japan. But a lot of the humor and a lot of the characters are clear references to more western superhero stuff it's a fascinating mix of the two and i it's think it's a weird it's, game very, it is weird but i think it's very appealing <laughs> yeah um like i like how it looks i like kind of the beautiful joe like art style they're using um there's a there's a lot of scale to it there's a lot of scope yeah. like it'll pull there's way a the kaiju hell back. element to it for sure they'll, they'll pull way the hell back to the point that i can't even see my character almost but like you're just like in the middle of this crazy futuristic city on a runaway like bus or like you know using a giant hel- like football helmet to like sneak through an aerial bombardment like it's it, there's there's some crazy stuff going on, um, and like the the other lesson for so like the way I getting you might into want how to explain it plays, the basics of how yeah, getting it plays. into how it plays is difficult because um, it's, <laughs> it's that but that's classic what people want to know yeah. it's that classic platinum thing of just like what. What yeah, that's what I remember the on? most about the Wonderful 101 was coming to grips with the control scheme mm-hmm. and how they wanted you to execute. It took yeah. me a while. And there's an issue there that we'll get to. But like, so the closest I can get to this is this game is sort of like if you mashed up Beautiful Joe, Pikmin, and Okami. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, I mean, definitely Pikmin for sure. Yeah. And like so, so the premise is that like aliens are invading the world, and the world is sort of like in the fu- it's in the future, and everything's all kind of Jetsony. And there's a there's a group called the Wonderful One Double O, One Double Zero, or whatever, and they are basically a superhero team that this like international organization has gathered, and every person on it is from a different country, and they all defend the world against threats. And you are uh, Wonder Red. Uh, and teamed up with uh, he, he's he's like the new guy, and very Red Ranger, beautiful Joe looking dude. And then your other main kind of guy is Wonder Blue, who is a he's in blue and he's like a cool L.A. Hollywood guy with a big ego. Um, and he's got a giant sword. 
uh, and he's sort of the guy who's like, he's been there a while and he's just like, oh, you're going to let the noob guy run it. And so like, you're, it's sort of a dichotomy and he can do things that, that the, that Wonder Red can't. So like Wonder Red, so the way like you attack and the way everything kind of works is the other members of your team form together. They unite together into like objects, sort of like okay. grammar, like Green Lantern. Yeah. So Wonder Red's main thing is he forms giant fists and like can grab things and hit things and smash stuff. And then like, Wonder Blue uses like a sword. So like if you gotta cut something down, you gotta switch to Wonder Blue and, and do that. Or you gotta like turn a crank or turn a lever, you gotta use Wonder use Red to hand. do that. And yeah. it's always, you know, you're spinning the stick and like, do, you know, it's, it's very, you know, QTE stuff sort of. Um, and then the other, the other element of it is you can use, so you've got like a, you know, about a, up to a hundred people following you around like Pikmin. Yeah. And so like, there, they you can use them to do attacks, and you can use them. You know, the more of them there are, the better your combined you know object you make is more powerful because there's more people. Um, and if you get hit, they all get knocked away, and you have to run around. And they're all like they all sit there with stars on there, and you got to run around and pick them all up so you don't lose them. Um, and it's fascinating because every single one of them is like a is like a personality. Like you'll pick up the various wonderful you know wonderful characters. Um, around the world and they'll get little like like profiles and you'll see them you know, all, you know there's, if you get enough of them like every you have a hundred guys on screen and they're all different yeah and they're all very identifiably different um, and you can deputize civilians you rescue and you like stick masks on them and they become basically like cannon fodder for for whatever and you go through the streets and you beat up all the alien machines and uh, navigate stuff and pick up collectibles and it's sort of that. But you can use the right stick to sort of like maneuver the characters around. Like Just pick, like Pikmin again. Um, you need you can hold the, the square button or I assume the Y button on the Switch. Um, and like you kind of go faster and everybody sort of gathers around you like Pikmin. Like where they, you know, it was where you gather them in a little circle and that's how you dodge things is like gather everyone together in one little clump and move away or like get away from things and stuff like that. Um, and then the Okami part is because the way you use this right stick to move them, like you can draw a circle around stuff to activate things right, right. down to like, really like, like in the first mission, you can use them to circle around like a, a dead, like fountain planter and like bring all the plants back to life. It's exactly Okami yeah. or that's how you rescue civilians or you, um, it's, it's, um, so that's where the Okami element comes from. It's just like you're kind of using them to draw and you have to draw like a sword and like becomes a sword and then you can use a giant sword for a while. There's QTE stuff where you have to jump around and like stave people by like drawing a fist around the thing and hit the button and then you, you grab the thing and do the superhero stuff. So like it's that kind of stuff. And there's, you're keeping track of a lot at once. And then like every Platinum game, they are rating you on every single thing you do. Yeah. Like how many, you know, how many people you save, whether you defeated a certain enemy in each level and, and used their weapon to defeat some enemies that you get bonus for that. If how many steps you take, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're rating you on how many steps you take. In I felt like I was exhausted after I finished playing that game. It is. Back it's it's, it's very Wii. frenetic. Yeah. So the, the problem is like, and you may have kind of discerned this if you've never played it, even you still may be discerning it from my description. It, the original game used that the Wii U game pad very heavily. Mm -hmm. um, you had a whole readout of the map and where everything was. You could switch over to a readout of your entire team and poke anybody on the team to switch to them whenever you needed to. And of course, you don't have that now. So you have to put that screen on the TV. The screen. <laughs> and the thing, so you, and the way they do that with the PS4 is they use the touchpad. 
Oh. Um, this game uses the PS4 touchpad more than about anything else I've ever played. Huh. Uh, so you're, you hit the thing and it brings up the little screen and you can shrink it and grow it and make it and move it around and tap it like this and move over and tap it like that and do this. And it, the, when you first start the game up on the PS4, it does like this tutorial thing, which shows you like three or four screens explaining all these different things the touchpad does. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I also like, had no idea that the touchpad was that versatile. Yeah, I, I was shocked that it was like, <laughs> oh, you squeeze, squeeze and do the thing. But I didn't even really? know the touchpad could do you that. You can pinch on that yeah, pad? you like, can. I, I didn't know that. I, I, because I no didn't other know that game either. really uses it. Other no. than to like bring up a menu, like a couple games you could like swipe up on it to do something. But for the most part, that's like it. That's all you yeah. ever use it for. So... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it also supports gyro aiming in first oh, wow. person. Like they, like they did the best they could. It still doesn't really work. Yeah, very well. And the other thing is, um, the you know the the um the the moving around of the of the 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 group, you know, the Pikmin minions, style, the yeah. kind of cast the Okami style stuff. You could use the the, the touch screen for that on the Wii U, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And the 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 right stick doesn't work that well. Like. Just making I'm a sure. circle is very difficult sometimes, and uh. I failed a bunch of those QTEs because like the stick just doesn't quite do what I think it's going to do, or I run that's out of problem. people. Like that's yeah. what, <laughs> I run out of people before I can finish drawing the circle, which is pretty forgiving on, but like that's kind of annoying. Um, so it's an Im I would say it's an imperfect way to bring it forward, but I don't know anything else they could have done. Yeah, you know, like it, like it's it was designed specifically to take advantage of the Wii U hardware. In terms of like the the gamepad, and I just don't know what what else they could have done. They did the best they could. It's not as intuitive and it's not as smooth as it was to play before. And believe me, there's so much going on and there's so much you have to keep track of that like it needed to be that smooth before. And now you're you're juggling even more things and it's constantly counting the time down before you lose your platinum rating or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if you're not ready for some stress, not the game for you. But like. It's like nothing else I've ever played, even all these years later. Yeah, um, I cannot believe that that game was ever greenlit. Like, and, the, and to me, the only reason it was greenlit is because of what you just talked about for the last couple minutes, which yes. is that it was catered catering to the Wii U hardware. Yes, Nintendo, Nintendo saw this pitch and was like, oh, that's exactly winner. a great showcase. And you can done. have that done around launch. Oh my, this is exactly yeah, what we're awesome. looking for. Any so, other way, that game never would have been greenlit. No, no. And don't all. get me wrong; I'm not saying it's a bad game. The Wii U version is actually really good. Um, I have not played this version to know how much mm -hmm. they've changed it. I'm glad that you did, so you could share that with everyone. But it's not a game that's for everyone. Even people who generally like Japanese games, I'm not 100 percent sure that it's even for them. 100 percent. No, um, I mean it's 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 for if you like platinum games i think you will still you will like this cuz it has that sort of system on system on system yeah. element and the and the gameplay is very snappy the fighting is good it's it's a little difficult to see what you're doing sometimes because the the, the it pulls back so much cuz you got to get 100 the characters guys on are also really small very very general small. in the game yeah and it's fast like it moves really yeah. fast like you have to be and sometimes you'll get like you know there's been times when like you know at the end of each section of the levels it gives you a little rating for each kind of section, each fight almost. And sometimes, it, you know, it lists all the things, and sometimes it li it'll list damage if you got hit. And a couple times, I'm like, I got hit? Like, I, don't even, yeah, I didn't know even know that. Like, I didn't even know I got hit. Um, but it's still fun. Like, it's, you know, if, you're, if you can kind of let go of the idea of wanting to get a perfect rating every time and just sort of plow through it and have fun, uh, 
it's a it's a romp. Like I, that's the only description I would have. For you can't it. describe really the stuff that happens. No, and there. it's just the freneticism of it, and and the the rapid fire dialogue, and how funny it is. Just if you know sort of the Sentai Power Ranger stuff or the Ultraman stuff, or the, you know, and it, it's got a sense of humor about itself. Um, and it's actually it actually is pretty funny at times. Like um, they they clearly put a lot of effort into the English localization to make it um, funny to an, a Western audience. In addition to people who know, if you know superhero stuff, you'll get some gags. Um, and it's well acted. Like the acting's good. Um, it doesn't have like kind of the like the even as Japanese as it can get, like steeped in the Super Sentai stuff. It doesn't do the anime oh, 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 thing like <laughs> Fantasy Seven does. Yeah. Um, so somehow this is more believable as an English translation than the multi-million-dollar Final Fantasy Seven remake translation. So well done there. Um, and they got the thing out in like two months. Yeah, like yeah. after the Kickstarter, like it was clearly ready to go. How much is it, Matt? Is it forty bucks? Um, yeah, I think it. Is. I don't know. I mean, I kickstarted it, so I don't actually. I didn't actually pay for right. it. Right. Uh, retail. I think that's right. That sounds. That forty bucks sounds right. Honestly, forty bucks is not unreasonable. No, that's that's a great price for this game. Uh, the other thing that we should bring up before we move along is that there aren't a lot of other options in May. No. Like, if you guys no. weren't paying attention during this segment, you should have been because this is, I'll be honest with you, it's like one of the top three games to purchase in May, basically. Yeah, 40 bucks. Yeah, 40 bucks. Too, 40 bucks. Yeah. So it's, um, maybe you need to rewind this or watch the archive because the pickings are slim mm -hmm. in May. And you may, if you're, you like to always be playing something, this might be a game that you should take a look at. Yeah. At this point, I'm really, uh, really hoping that the, um, that Man Eater game makes it out. In a couple of weeks, because I was just uh, I I just asked for a review code of that yesterday. I mean, and it puts it in perspective. The month I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Most months I wouldn't even reach out for this review code. I just wouldn't. Um, I would. You'll always get me for a shark PG. <laughs> but, I mean, um, I want to play it. Regard you know, yeah. regardless, like I would have played it because it's just the concept is so insane. Yeah, yeah but like, like I need to. But when the two things I'm looking forward to the most in the month are are Man Eater and the Xenoblade remaster, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's that's a month. Yeah. It ain't no April. I'll tell yeah. you that much. Well, we're just trying to tell you guys. Like you may have brushed off the wonderful 101, but we I have a feeling. Yeah, if you've never played this, <laughs> it's coming back to it. <laughs> if you've never played this, at the very least, you're not going to play it and be like, "Man, I've done all this before." It's like, no, it's, you, you've you might not like it, it <laughs> but you, you're never you're not going to be able to deny it's unique. Yeah. What do you think of it, Mitch? Uh, did you I, ever play it? Did you have a Wii U? I did not have it. Well, my oh, you didn't have a Nintendo my, platform. Well, my right. roommate had it, so I'm not not wonderful 101, but he had a Wii U, so I played Wii U games on his platform. Um, never played. What do you wonderful, think of this? <laughs> never played wonderful 101, but I do like the beautiful Joe look, so it is okay. appealing. And I did think about backing it in Kickstarter, so it's something I may pick up. Okay, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about what is quickly becoming. A June that may be bigger than any June ever for video games. And that, and when you consider that E3 usually happens in June, that's a big statement. Uh, as it seems like every day there is a new announcement about some event that is happening in June to replace E3 in some way. Um, we've talked about this before, but they have just kept on coming. So we're going to share a couple more with you. But we're going to kick off this topic talking about Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest. And that's because this morning, Mr. Keighley delivered the first part of that um, as far as exclusives are concerned. And he dropped the debut trailer 
for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, it seems like most people are calling it a remaster, but mm. to me, it seems to be a remake. Yeah, it looks like a ground up, at least as much of a remake of, of Xenoblade is. Yeah. Um, like a ground up redo. Yeah. With new features and changes to this create a, par- create a skate park thing and you can make your own character and all that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I think the, from the side by side stuff they show in the trailer, like it, it doesn't, it's that you didn't just up res that, you remade that. Well, the other thing, too, and we had this conversation just last week when these rumors started to swirl because that skater Jason Dill went on a podcast and basically mm-hmm. talked about it for like 20 minutes. Um, uh, the one thing that we were talking about last week in relation to this was the revert and how Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 added the revert. And I talked about how people were pissed off that GameSpot gave Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 a perfect 10. And I explained how I understood it because I watched people who really were good at the game play the third one. And in this re- remake, I guess it is, of 1 and 2, they are putting the, re- the revert in the game. And for those of you who don't know what the revert is, it was the way to keep your combo string going between obstacles. So in the first two games, you could only keep a combo going as long as you had something to grind or slide on. Uh, the revert allowed you to spin around after you did a trick and then manual and then you could keep your combo going until you got to the next obstacle where you started doing another succession of tricks. And it really did completely change the way that you'd play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, and so I personally am very glad that they're putting that in there. If you watched the live stream that Jeff did this morning, uh, that they talked about it for like five minutes about how when they were testing the game, everyone who was testing it was trying to do the revert manual Um and they, it wasn't there. And so they're like, oh, everyone's trying to do it anyway. We might as well put it in there. So there are elements that are going to be in this that were not a part of the original versions of the first two games. Um, as Matt said, there's going to be a create a park feature, but it's also like the most advanced create a park ever because the way create a park always worked before was here's a part, put it where you want it, orient it where you want it. You didn't have any control over how that piece uh, the size of the piece, the the kind of the elong, elongated amount of, of the piece. Now you can basically warp every piece that they give you to make it work however you want. They compared it to be able being able to make like a, a roller coaster rail if you wanted to. Hmm. Uh, so the creative park should allow for people to be a lot more creative in creating skate parks. And then it also has online play, which again was something that wasn't a part of the first two. Um and the thing that really made me happy, though, is that they haven't decided to tack on some corny story mode to it. They, they're doing exactly what I asked last week, which is go back to the core of the franchise, make it all about scores, leaderboards, online play, stuff like that. Um, all the original modes are going to be in it as well. So if you really do want to play the pure Tony Hawk's Pro Skater experience, you can. Uh, this is... I will say that this just shot up my charts for like one of my most anticipated games for this year, uh, provided that they can deliver. And that has been a problem with Tony Hawk now for a while because they did do Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD not all that long ago, and it was abysmal. Um, mm-hmm. But that was made by a different developer. So I think that was Beanox that did that game. Um, and then the studio that did all the handheld versions of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater back in the day is the studio that's actually developing this new remake. So I am really, really excited for this. Probably more excited than anybody on the stream right now or probably anyone's going to watch this archive. Um, 
Although I'm Matt, I, I have a feeling you're probably pretty excited too because you're kind of getting what you really like about the franchise. Yeah, those two are my my favorites of the whole franchise. And uh, because, I mean, I was never that into the revert manual thing because I felt like it just gave you an excuse to, um, like I understand how it kind of expands the combo during gameplay, but it also gives you an excuse to make the levels a little less tight. It does. Um, yeah. And uh, but this is this is one and two, and one and two's levels are that tight. They so are, like yeah. putting re putting revert in um, for the people who are used to it and want want to have it to, to use it is like I think that's great. Like that's fine because but I will probably never use it because uh, I know I don't. Well, need then to you're going to gonna be low down the leaderboard. <laughs> I but I know I don't need to use it for those levels. So yeah. um, it's funny for I, me doing it is just muscle memory. So one, after I had played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater three. I just did it every time. Mm. It just became this operation that I did with my hands that I just did automatically. When I landed a trick, I just automatically did it. Well, it's like to me, it's, it's like it's like when they redid uh, the Sonic games and they put the spin dash in the first one. Yeah, it's like it's just what what you expect the character to be able to do now. Yeah, it's almost like it's it's kind of like admitting like, hey, if we thought of this when we made the first ones, we'd have put it in there. Yeah, but we didn't yet. So it's like I think it's a it's a it's a it's a reasonable and probably smart change. Because I will say this, Vicarious Visions, that's the developer, and again, they were mm. mostly a handheld developer in the past. I don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to nail this, and I will say this, looking at a couple of the shots in the trailer, I watched the trailer several times over, as you guys are about to do. <laughs> mm. And there were a couple shots in the trailer where things looked a little funky, where... Like the skater would ollie and you could almost see the skater like moving in midair to like basically magnetize to the rail or whatever. I you, you need some of that in that franchise because you don't want to be like bailing just like every time you try to grind down a rail or whatever. But I don't know. I, and then there was like some tricks that they showed, some flat ground tricks, like they showed like a tray flip or whatever. And the physics of the board just looked a little off. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, it's going to really come down to the feel and yeah. and what it's like because that was the problem with the with Tony Hawk HD was it didn't feel like no. the game yeah and like terrible. if they can't nail that then they're not going to have a successful you know it doesn't matter how much bells and whistles you throw in there and references to the game and reverts being added like if it doesn't feel like playing Tony Hawk then it doesn't Failure. matter it's a fail yep absolutely um, so the game is launching September fourth of this year so again that rumor was absolutely right that it was mm -hmm. coming out this year. Um, and it's coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and again, no Switch as of right now. Uh, we don't know if that'll come in the future. It is a little weird because Vicarious Visions, for the most most of its history, only worked on Nintendo platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a little strange. So I would guess that probably a Switch version will come eventually, uh, but it's not going to be there on September 4th with all the other versions. They're busy adding Yoshi. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that would be cool, actually, if they did some stuff like that. Um, I can see there? that. Did that Konami skateboarding game that had like all the characters in it, did that ever come to a Nintendo platform? Did it come to GameCube? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember if it had any Mario characters in it. I think it might have actually. Anyway, I tangent. <laughs> I, I remember Darth Maul. Yeah. And I, and I remember Solid Snake. Yep, that was in the PlayStation version. Yeah, um, but I can't remember if they actually use Nintendo characters. There have been games that have done that though, where Nintendo actually let a third party use its characters for stuff. Yeah. Well, you saw it uh, was in um, uh, what you call it, uh, Skyrim. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's a, there's a precedent for it on Switch stuff. 
Yeah, Link was also in like one of the Monster Hunter games and yeah, Soul yeah. Calibur. And, yeah, there's yeah. been stuff like that before. Uh, next up, uh, so we we talked a few. Weeks oh, also, ago. that's I forgot that was that's actually another wonderful one on one thing is there is a scene where you use a shield that is very suspiciously uh, Hyrulean looking. Oh, really? But has been altered a little bit. I had forgot about for the, play, that. For the PlayStation Four version. Oh, oh okay. Because um, I'm, I'm I, I don't remember that specifically, but I'm like, was that actually Link's shield? In, it might have been in, I don't in the original either. game, but now know. it's like gold and has a lion on it. But it's like that's <laughs> it's totally obviously what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we talked a couple weeks ago about Comic Con being canceled. Um, San Diego Comic Con is canceled. Uh, but this week, Comic Con released a trailer uh, basically saying that they are going to do a digital only event called Comic Con at Home. Uh, and it's happening this summer. They haven't given a hard date for it yet. Now, the gaming industry, I believe, has proven that its events can be, I wouldn't say, just as compelling, but mostly just as compelling as a live event. Um, do you think that carries over to something like Comic-Con, though, Matt, where it's mostly movie trailers or panels with celebrities? Yeah, I think it does If um, for most people. Um, certainly well, it's going like, to be free, too, I should have brought up. The broadcast yeah. will be free from Comic-Con. I think it will for most people. I mean, certainly there's a contingent who, you know, their whole thing is camping out for Hall H and being in the same room as as the people from Game of Thrones or whatever, um, I think that's a fairly small number of people compared to the number of people who just want to have want new information uh, about these properties they like. Uh, certainly, I would rather just watch a stream of something like that than have to go to the place. I mean, I went and to Comic Con for years and I never went to Hall H one time. <laughs> no, like <laughs> no, thank you. Not, not even not even the time somebody got stabbed in the eye. Yeah, that's um, right. I forgot about that. That's it's rough right. out there. I, I mean, you I know stabbed people in the that, eye with a pen, right? Isn't yeah. that what happened? Yeah, yeah, for for quote stealing a seat. Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I got I know people who like camped out overnight for the Game of Thrones thing, yeah. Game of Thrones panel. Uh, in they, they were dressed as Khaleesi and uh, Cal Drogo. <laughs> like the man, the guy literally was wearing no shirt all night. Like he, they, they stood, he got in line at like 10 p.m. Uh. and were let in into the hall at 10:30 p.m. And the panel for they were waiting for was 3 p.m. Oh, so they geez. they were there all night, and then they sat through like four panels they didn't care about just to have a decent seat to see what Game they wanted Thrones. to see. See, I think, um, to me, I think that is Comic-Con, though. I don't think most people who go to Comic-Con will feel happy just watching, like, a stream of some actor being interviewed by some dude. Yeah, but, like, you, can, you can't you can see that, really, if you're at Comic-Con, unless you're, like, this one group of certain, you know, a thousand or so people who are, A, able to do it, and B, willing to do it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested. I'd watch the panels at Hall, in Hall H on a stream. I would never go in person. Like I would never wait in line yeah, for that. Yeah. Um, so I think th I think we greatly outnumber the people who are willing to do the crazy thing. Um, and those people are going to be disappointed. But it's not like you're taking that away from them intentionally in yeah. order to give it to us. Like, yeah. but that's, that's the thing is why I think it's silly to not even if they weren't canceling the physical event. I think it's silly to cancel to think that like doing a live stream of, of the Comic-Con panels somehow removes the point of them because I guarantee you, if someone's willing to wait in line 12 hours to see this thing, they're not going to be satisfied with seeing it on a, on a live stream. They're yeah. going to go do that in person anyway. And all you're doing is getting more eyeballs and more money for your event 
by letting people who don't want to do that pay you. I mean, obviously this is free, but in a in a scenario where they were still doing live, you know, real Comic Con on site, but selling streaming viewing, I don't think you lose a single real life person from your venue from that. I mean, the truth be told, some of the trailers that get released at Comic-Con are as big as or bigger than any video game trailer that's released at E3. So you could absolutely package some of that stuff up the way Keeley does, uh, but do it for Comic-Con. I'm surprised, oh, sure. he, isn't, I'm surprised he isn't doing it already. Um, but you My guess on some. that would be that he doesn't want to deal with the people who run Comic-Con. Probably, and maybe he just doesn't want to deal with that whole other entertainment side of it as well. Yeah, I mean, but he could. I mean, he could. He definitely yeah. has the contacts and the skill to do it. I just feel like ha having also dealt with Comic Con, I would not at all blame Jeff if he just doesn't want to deal with those people because it's a pain, and yeah. and gaming is a lot easier to navigate in that regard because they seem to understand Leo. You know, because gaming is a business, and you got to remember that Comic Con, while there is a lot of money flying around, it's still pretty much the same. Group yeah. of group of dudes who organized the fan event back in '70. You know, yeah. it's like that's all pretty much the same people, the surviving members, more or less. Um, and they're still sort of laboring under the delusion that they're a little fan-run convention to some degree and don't want to sell out or whatever. I'm just like, bro, just, like, <laughs> nobody cares, man. <laughs> you drop me in the middle of your convention anytime in the last 15 years, and I need to ask someone if I'm at E3. Like, I, think, have, I mean, you, I, I think a lot of people would argue. You sold out fast and you sold <laughs> out strong, so just embrace it. I mean, a lot of people would argue Comic-Con sold out a long time ago. Oh, when, yeah. When, when it wasn't about comics anymore. Like, yeah. you go there, the comics are shoved into the... Oh, it's absolutely. Not, I, like, always, I always say it because I went in 96, and it was still a, it was still a comic convention then. Yeah. It was not that huge. And I, the next time I went was 10 years later for G4 in 2006, and I remember walking into that hall, and I had to ask somebody where the comics were. Yeah. And it was like, oh, they're way down to the other end of the the exhibit hall where all the lights are turned off. You know, it's just like there's no and I get down there and it's all the same comic booths that were there when I was there ten years ago. They're just shoved all the way off to the side. I mean it's still that way. You have to make it's, room for the still giant all the same booths every year. Yeah. That's why I'm sick of going. It was just like the same I, thing over and over. That's why I'm sick of conventions in general. It's yeah. always just, it's not just always the same booths, it's the same merchandise in the same booths. Yeah. In the same order that it Sometimes, was. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> It got to when I, I'd gone to Comic Con and WonderCon enough that they were they were hit a point where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this booth. I remember that Optimus Prime that was here last year and the year before. Yeah. And you still want the same amount of money and no one's going to pay it. What are you doing? Like, it's yeah. Like, so yeah, it's um, I am not a convention guy anymore. Uh, there used to be a time when you could kind of go see stuff you couldn't get anywhere else. It's also in the days before eBay. Like the you know the '96 Comic Con was cool to me because eBay wasn't really a thing yet, and certainly not a place to buy stuff that wasn't like you know books and Beanie Babies. And, you know, you saw, I saw some stuff that I hadn't seen since I was eight. Like, yeah. that was awesome. And now you can see that stuff anywhere, probably buy a new replica of it in original packaging. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's lost a lot of its allure for yeah. sure. Like, you yeah. don't need to go anywhere to do this anymore. You just have somebody on eBay send it to you, probably in better condition than you'd find it at one of these shows. Yep. Hey, Mitch, uh, so you just moved to California. Before you moved out here, was one of your hopes that, like, you know what? I hope I can go down and check out Comic Con. And like, are oh. you bummed that Comic Con's not happening? Had you planned on going to check it out? I'm I'm bummed about everything, man. Like, let's be honest. Everything being canceled. Uh, yeah. E3. I was like, that was like my one number one highlight. I was like, I get to go to E3 for the first time, even though it's not the same. I know that, but yeah. still, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to trying this stuff. 
Um, I'm similar on the mat side. I mean, I won't be standing in line forever for things, but to just go there once to experience it is something that I always wanted to do. So yeah, just to see the cosplay for the first time. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say do it once at least, but I, between that and all the other things we've covered and, and gone to, I mean, how many conventions have we been to over the, like a hundred no, I don't even know how like many. something like that. Like it's I really be have no idea. between like E three, Comic Con, WonderCon, Stanley Con, Kamikaze, um, I have no TGS, clue. Gamescom, Tokyo PAX, Game Show, Tokyo Game Show. I mean, it has all to the be. other ones that have gone away, like yeah. ECTS and all ECTS, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dice, yeah. GDC. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have, I don't even have to have been to a hundred something. I've been to more than that. Yes. I guarantee. But I do think they yeah. can pull off this panel stuff doing it online. I mean, there's proof in the pudding already. Many shows are doing reunions over Zoom, not just on network television, yeah. but in different places. Heck, I mean, Lizzie McGuire is a show I grew up on, and that just did a table read of an old yeah. episode, and that is trending on Twitter yeah. by and, itself. And so does like so, uh, like the Goonies thing, the Goonies reunion. Like, yep. where, you know, so it's like, it does, it's not even like it only works for like people Mitch's age. It works for people our age too. Like, and you get tons of eyeballs on this. People are still talking about the Goonies thing, the Lizzie McGuire thing. Even I heard about, and I don't even care about that show. So, like, yeah, it works. Like, granted, we're kind of in a specific situation here, but like, yeah. I think this is something that they need to keep their eye on, even when things go back to quote unquote normal. Well, you saw today, Twitter just said that people don't have to come back; they can work from home forever if they want to now. Yep. And I think we're just going to see. That happening at a ton of companies. I think we I are. Think we're gonna there's going to be a there's going to be an office space commercial real estate apocalypse because of that. Um, it's I know be for a, a fact that that is happening. I'm so, not going to say how I know that, but I know that it is in fact all those office parks um, out there, especially like empty. up in like the up the Bay Area. Like no reason for them. They're going to repurpose them into housing, is my guess. Well, good because they need to get they that. Didn't. It's yeah. like it's funny that that might actually have partially solve one of California's big problems. I said this from the beginning when this started was that this is going to really suck and there's going to be a lot of really crappy things that happen, but there are going to be some things that change the world for the better forever. And mm-hmm. I think we're already starting to see some of that stuff. So yeah, it's trying to look on the on the bright side of yeah. life a little bit. But <laughs> be interesting to see where they go. With like like, so I have some friends who do editing for major, you know, some of the major studios, uh, NBC Universal, uh, Warner Brothers, and none of them, none of their bosses or bosses' bosses or anyone, they none of them even mention going back in the office yet. Um, My wife works for a huge company. Uh, huge. It has like over two hundred thousand employees worldwide. So mm-hmm. huge. And I mean, they're basically talking about working from home until the end of the year. Yep. So, and yeah. there's a point at which you kind of have to admit, like, yes, it just kind of works, doesn't it? We don't really need to have an office anymore. No. I mean, and it's it's even in places you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like, um, I have a friend who's a lawyer for the county, and he, uh, you know, early on they were not letting them work from home. Like they yeah. were like, no, you're essential, and they're like, we're patent attorneys. We don't. Need, yeah. <laughs> it's not as. And like, um, it's so just finally, an adherence to the old ways. That's all it is. Finally, they started doing it, and they started doing this thing where it's like, it's a rotation where basically everybody has to come in one day a month, and that day varies across them. You know, not everybody comes in on the same day, yeah. but that's sort of the rotation of it, and. You know, they're two months sure. into that, and it works. Yeah, and they're it kind works. of, and, and even the bosses are sort of like, yeah, this. 
this is working. Like somebody brought this up this? in the chat though, and they're absolutely right. Uh, Tiny Blip in history said we need huge bandwidth, and he or she is absolutely yeah. right because that is my major issue here. Um, during like the day here, because everyone in my apartment complex is working from home right now, the internet is terrible. Sometimes yep. I think the connection has just gone out. It's so bad because I'm working here where I'm sitting. And then my wife is basically working in our dining room. She has like her whole setup set up on our dining room table. And between the two of us sucking down the bandwidth, it's a nightmare. Like uploading yeah, well, videos to YouTube takes forever. Downloading well, look, anything. If there's, forever. if there's one thing I think we have learned and need to learn from this I mean, there's a lot of other things, but in terms of sort of like a, a non-lethal going forward idea, um, no, actually also, because it applies to the medical, the medical situation in this country too. One thing that America needs to learn is that our infrastructure blows. Yeah. Like it, does, it, yeah. it, it can't handle anything. You know, it didn't handle that from the internet, didn't handle from the, from the healthcare system. Um, any sort of, it didn't handle it from the product distribution. So look at how long it took to get toilet paper in stores again. Any little bit of pressure on any bit breaks. of the system, it breaks and it just snaps. I mean, that's our whole country and, in a nutshell. We've learned right. that now. It's like we have like four weeks of like problems and the country is in a toilet. Yeah. Like, and look, we knew, I mean, I mean, we knew that to some degree, but now you have actual living physical proof. Yeah. And the question becomes, will we do anything about it? Will internet become... A at least functional, I can work with this professionally from home internet. Will that become a utility? You know, like as like, <laughs> we'll like, see. I've been like asking for that for a long freaking right, time. Right, but now you have a situation where you kind of have the issue. There's no before. denying it anymore. No denying it whatsoever. There's no way to deny it. And, so I'll, we'll and I'll talk to Pactor about that because he does not believe the internet should be a utility. So, and we're about to shoot new episodes of Pactor Factor as well. So, well, look that for, is silly. Offer questions. Yeah, I don't know if you watched that episode, but. Yeah. I didn't. It's frustrating like, watching him talk about it sometimes. Well, a, and it's like, we're not, you know, if you want to pay Mr. Man for like super duper high speed internet on top of the utility option, go for it. I would. I like fast internet, but it's increasingly clear that you need to have access to at least what we would have called high speed internet 15 years ago. That's the thing, though. I am paying for the highest tier from Spectrum mm -hmm. Internet, it's cable. Um, and I pay for the the best internet, and it doesn't matter. My connect, I pay more. My connection's no better than everybody else in this apartment complex. Mm. So, it's something that needs to be sorted out. So, good point there by a tiny blip in history. Um, let's start talking about some other events because there's tons. So, another one that's coming up is the Gorilla Collective Indie Show, that is happening from June sixth to eighth. Um, it has some kind of a relationship to kind of funny, kind of funny had done that kind of indie showcase thing before. And it looks like they're kind of rolling that idea into this. Uh, but it looks like many of the indie publishers and developers are on board with that. So that should be a good mm -hmm. little showcase for, uh, some of the smaller games. And then one of our favorite events for E3 every year which is the Devolver Digital Press Conference. If you want to call it a press conference, uh, they are doing it this year again. <clears throat> and if you remember, typically their quote-unquote press conferences are pre-recorded, almost like comedy sketches. That yeah. <laughs> go on for sometimes entirely too long, which is kind of part of the joke sometimes. And then they'll do these, like, it's just awesome. I love what they do. Then they'll do these weird, like, after show shows where the hosts are like intentionally like terrible like they have mastered e3 as far as squeezing the most juice as they can out of their budget devolver does a great job and yeah. so 
They are coming back. They do not have a date yet for when the presentation is going to air live, but they did say it'll be in the E3 timeframe. So we're still going to get that fun little presentation from them. Uh, and then today, Ubisoft announced that it's doing its own E3 event. However, it is delaying it into July. It's called Ubisoft Forward, and it's happening on July 12th. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about Inside Xbox and what happened with uh, Assassin's Creed and that. Mm -hmm. um, they said July for their first-party stuff. So Microsoft did, yeah, yeah. Microsoft. So it sounds like Ubisoft might be aligning with the Microsoft schedule there. Yeah, it could be weird if we get almost like a second little E3 in mid-July. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this whole like E3 just sort of, it's like sounds like E3 exploded like a supernova star and just <laughs> scattered dust across the entire summer. It did. Yeah, and I mean, Keeley, I think maybe a bit had been leading that charge because he has the mm -hmm. Summer Games Fest that start started now. So do you think, Keeley was gonna, you think Keeley was going to do that whether the pandemic happened or not? Was he, you, think, you think this was always the plan? I find it hard to believe that he could pull all this together in the short of amount of time that was allotted. But he did pull out, he did seem to pull out of it before any of that happened. He pulled out of E3 before the pandemic, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I I, then Devolver actually broke the Devolver actually broke the story on uh, cancellation because like the night before or two nights right. before Devolver's Twitter literally said cancel your E3 hotels. Yeah. On Twitter, I guess yeah. Shane. The question would be, uh, I guess maybe this is what Matt is maybe saying is, like, do you think he maybe would have had like one event, like just it, obviously this is scattered because there's nothing for months. But do you think maybe he had an event planned in July? May not be with all these huge publishers, but had something. You mean? Yeah, my, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's kind of my question. Like, do you think he had planned some separate from E3 thing to try to get his brand as part of like a, a potential like? competitor or or add-on and then like because the pandemic no. happened like he just no, had because to add all this stuff or what was he doing no because he knew he had to do gamescom and that's a gigantic project so to do e3 then gamescom a few months later with all that other stuff in the middle i don't think it would have been feasible so you but think he was you think he was pulling out of e yeah that's true but gamescom isn't happening um, but uh, you think? So do you think he was going to pull out of E3 just because he didn't think it was worth anymore and focused completely on Gamescom? No, I think once he, I think when he thought about whether he should pull out of E3, he came up with this idea, and mm -hmm. he had, and knowing that he had a fallback plan because you got to realize that like all the stuff that he was booking for E3, that stuff doesn't go away. You know, he had already made the relationships with all the PR people and scheduled it with all those folks, uh, the developers. Uh, you. You make that plan with them as the person who books a show. If the show gets canceled, you still have all those contacts and you still kind of have those connections with those people. So my guess is once he figured out, I'm probably not going to do E3 with these people because I just don't think it's a good idea. I think immediately he started being like, and I'm going to launch this summer game fest thing that may compete with E3, but I don't care. Um, I think the way he looked at it was, and this is all conjecture, but I think maybe he looked at it like, okay, you think you don't need me. I'll show you that you do need me because even without E3, I can still pull a lot of exclusives, a lot of hot content that people actually care about. So my guess is once he figured out he wasn't going to do E3, he started planning this immediately. 
Um, and then maybe he was hoping that Gamescom, and then of course the coronavirus hits, and then he's like, well, I hope maybe Gamescom happens. It's not going to happen, but he still had that digital plan that he can roll out all summer long and then just cap it off at the end with Gamescom. So that is what I was asking. Like, do you think his other separate from E3 event was going was in place before the pandemic? Yes, I think it was. I think it was in place as soon as he left E3 or before he left E3. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have left E3 without. Right. That's why he left E3. Right. I don't know if it's why, but I think it made it easier for him mm-hmm. to leave. Uh, knowing that he had something else that he could still parlay and make happen. Well, at least in the sense that he would have been planning to do that as sort of like, if I can get this together, I will leave E3. Yeah. Yeah. So. And he did. And he did. Yep. And we may be living in a place now. Look at all this. I mean, they've turned. That's that's really what I was asking. If the the pandemic never happened, would he still be doing a a separate from E3 event and not be related to E3? And I think, I, I agree that he would. I think he would. Yeah. I think he absolutely would. And now, I mean, E3 has gone from like five grueling days to an entire summer of fun. And <laughs> I mean, honestly, like we're going to get like big stuff just every couple weeks now for like three months straight. Honestly, I prefer that. As far as like someone working in this industry, I would rather have that steady work and steady interest in the the stuff that we're doing on sifted than having this gigantic blowout and then kind of black holes on each side of the blowout um, i can see the publishers liking it better too because they yeah. get to space things out and they get more attention of on their things yeah they're not competing they can actually work with someone like keely to be like okay so you're doing cyberpunk on monday um, we also are doing a, a cyberpunk game, so we want some space. So can we do it like in two weeks? Like you can work that out. Whereas at E3, it's like there is no working any of that out. It's just no. this big dump of information that lands on everybody all at once. And it's like, you know, it's a big reason why Sifted is so great at E3 because it does allow you to kind of parse through all that. But a lot of people don't use Sifted for E3, and it just becomes overwhelming and a lot of stuff falls through the cracks. So I think from a publisher's perspective, they probably prefer this too. And if it goes really well, it's going to be hard to convince people to go back to the old way. That's what I think. And it'll be yeah. hard to convince me that it's the right decision to go back to the old way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any need for it. Yeah. If, it, if this it, works. It becomes less and less likely that E3 will be the same with yeah. every pass. I mean, I've been the one sitting around saying that Sony skipping E3 is not going to affect anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I didn't expect uh, to have... That test that theory tested quite so writ large, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think it'll be. I think it's going to be fine for for everyone who is in the ESA. Yep, exactly. And that does suck because we need the ESA to lobby for us in Washington. Yeah, so I, th- I think the argument could also be made that maybe this gives rise to another ES, something equivalent to the ESA that does the ESA's job better. That could be. That's true. I mean. That's what you hope for. You, you hope it's like I said when this all happened. It's like you know I really wouldn't mind if Ticketmaster went out of business. Like I really I, the people who work there, I do feel bad for them. But that company needs to go, and it needs mm-hmm. to be replaced by something better. And a lot of times in stuff like this, that's what happens. You're forced into it to create something better. And maybe the ESA will be forced to go back to the drawing yeah. board and be like, sometimes hey. you make something that is better, and sometimes you make Quibi. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and then the final thing, and this is something that just broke right before uh, the stream went up, is that Ghost of Tsushima is having a big blowout on Thursday. Uh, PlayStation is promising 20 minutes of gameplay from Ghost of Tsushima on Thursday. 
keep your browser pointed to sifted.net. We will have it live as soon as it goes up. Interesting timing right after Microsoft's big quote unquote gameplay blowout for Series X, although obviously this is a PS4 game. And um, obviously, I feel like we'll actually see gameplay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, as, we'll get as, to the Microsoft. As we're, as, as gameplay as we think of it, I right. guess. Yeah. And, and yeah we'll, did, we'll get to that. And they did say specifically that they will not show anything PlayStation 5 or new games. It's only Ghost of Tsushima. They made that yeah. abundantly clear. Certainly, I think uh, if there's one thing Microsoft has has taught as the canary in the coal mine on this, it's like, you need to be very clear about expectations. <laughs> um, although maybe Sony learned that from putting that Cerny GDC thing up already. Maybe. Yeah, I think they may have learned that lesson all on their own, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that is a direct response to Microsoft. I, I doubt it. I have a feeling this is probably planned. No, I think all this the timing is, just, is peculiar for sure. I think it's just this is where it's all supposed to happen anyway. Like we're, we're right in the in the in the thick of what would be Judges Week yeah. um, for E3. And so I think this is where everything was planned anyway. Um, and even Sony put some stuff out last year, even though they weren't going. They put some stuff out in May. It's, you know, the Death Stranding thing came out right before E3. So uh, I, I could I could buy this as like, you know, all part of the May plan to begin with. But hey, maybe maybe it was a week or two later before Microsoft put that thing out. And so you know, not that not that Sony would have seen the Microsoft Inside Xbox thing and been like, oh no, we got to move. It'd be like, eh, this might be a good time to punch him in the nose. <laughs> Just like, you know, so we'll see. Because Ghost of Tsushima is really one of the strongest things on anybody's schedule. So yep. And so Thursday, coming in hot, 20 minutes of brand new footage. We'll all be there to check it out. But anyway, uh, that's the stuff that was just announced here in the last week regarding the E3 window, I think is what we're going to start calling it now. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like I was really depressed when I heard that E3 wasn't going to happen. But now I'm like, I, I feel like it may be a better June than we would have had with E3. Um Certainly the work and the content for Sifted and for Game Face and for Pactor Factor and Sifted HQ, it's going to be much better for us than just having that three-day period where everybody just piles on and so much stuff just gets lost between the cracks. So I'm excited for it. I think June's going to be freaking awesome. I think it's going to blow people away. Um, and I think it's going to be a sustained bombardment instead of just this thing that comes and goes in the blink of an eye, and, you, and when it's over, you're almost like, wait, what happened? Like, oh, it's, I don't think it's going to be that way, and I think it will be hard to go back to the old way of doing things. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that makes me very excited, and I have a feeling it probably made a lot of you excited as well, and that is Mortal Kombat's, Mortal Kombat 11's next DLC. It's called Aftermath, and it, it's doing something that, in my opinion, only... Nether Realms fighters can do, and that is create story DLC for a fighting game. Um, I am hoping that this sets a precedent for other game developers who are tackling that genre, but I also, it's like I said when I started the topic, like who else can do it right now? No one is really creating story modes in fighting games the way that Nether Realm does, to where People would even care if there were story-based DLC. Uh, Ground Blue Fantasy Versus has a pretty robust story mode, and so did the Blaze Blue games back in the day. Um, but obviously, the production value of those is not on the level of what Nether Realm is. Nether Realm is basically making direct-to-DVD movies, but putting game, putting them in games. Yeah, and that's a huge difference, which allows Nether Realm to do something like this. 
Uh, the DLC picks up right after the end of the base game. So it's not some weird flash forward, jump backwards thing. It picks up right afterwards. Uh, there are three new characters in the DLC. And uh, they're all part of the plot, but they also then become playable characters as well. But the biggest story, and I, I, I still wonder how this works. The biggest story from all of this is that RoboCop is coming to Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, is he a part of the plot or is he just going to no, be a playable he's, character? He's just going to be playable character. Okay. He's so he's, they're not working him into the story. No, it's like how, how Alien and Predator and Terminator and Freddy and Jason and, you know, like it's just a fun little guest thing. Um, which gives you the you know to me the big four well, the big four R-rated sci-fi movies of the '80s were Terminator, Aliens, um, you know RoboCop, and Predator, and now all four of them are in Mortal Kombat. That's great. <laughs> it's pretty crazy when you think about and it. I, I also speak and speaking of Predator, did you see uh, the the weird suddenly uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from the original Predator is in the Predator game? No, I didn't Vo see that. Voiced by Arnold. No way. Like Arnold tweeted the whole, he's like, I was, I was thrilled, thrilled to play Dutch again. Um, <laughs> really had a good time voicing this character. And um, I'm just like, wow. Like, I don't know if he's ever done that before, except I for like either. some Terminator stuff. Like, yeah. like the fact that he just come back and revoice this character that he's refused to play like three other times is amazing. I think he's getting bored. You know, he was a governor. He might be bored also, for a while. And <laughs> also, I think, you know, as, as, as in-person physical demand uh, lessens over the years, he's going to start, you know, taking jobs like that just to keep his hand in more often because, yeah. you know, you're, you're probably not calling Arnold to play. Probably the worst governor we ever had, but it, it was fun having the Terminator no, for a governor. We, uh, we had Nixon. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's a good point. A fun um, voice actor fact, uh, Sang, Shang Tsung is actually played by the voice actor from the movie. I mean, the actual actor from the movie yeah. so well, i recognized so, so him because i watched so his the movies face. as a kid yeah they got like, him back for this yeah i think that's also the first time they've actually made the character look like him since yeah, that too that's true which is good uh, because he is to me he's the definitive shang Tsung. yep it's coming out may 26th so there's not a lot of time to wait uh there's also other things that have been added in addition to the characters and i want to get your take on this matt to see how you feel about it friendships are being added to mm -hmm. the game in the hierarchy of those kind of extra fatality things, how do you rank them? Like the balladies, friendship. Oh, I, friendships are number two. Number after, two? After fatalities, for sure. Okay. Because so fatalities, friendships, and then fatalities, babalities. friendships, animalities, babalities, brutalities would be my, my yeah. listing. Because brutalities are stupid. Their brutalities are just like punch a guy and he blows up. Until like, their head flies off. But much. the babalities are pretty stupid too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the babalities are just there to be funny. Like, it's funny to see <laughs> the these friendships characters are too, babies. though, really. Yeah, but know. the friendships are got kind of elaborate at times. Yeah, yeah. And the friendships on this look like they're actually having the same amount of effort put into them as the fatalities. So which like, were, that's which are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the babalities are cool. So, like, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much, you know, Leaving aside the uh, eternal rumors of sexualities, which was... Uh, oh, I never about. heard of that even. Oh, in my, in my arcade during the Mortal Kombat 2 days, that's all anybody talked about was like that there were sexualities. That they were going to have sex on screen or something? Sex where people would like, they'd take their clothes off or like kill somebody <laughs> with their dick or whatever. You know, and you were like, yeah, kill someone with their dick. <laughs> that's for the next cartoon. Cartoon look, Goro time, could absolutely <laughs> do that. Um... <laughs> But no, that was that was in you know in the in the in the dark smoky hallways of Seven Elevens across Menlo Park. 
that was the 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 rumor was that that was that you could do sexualities. I never heard that one. I heard a lot. There was tons of rumors about MK2 in the arcade, though, just about like fatalities that were there or weren't there and that kind of stuff. I never heard that one though. That was <laughs> never, that was right up there with Chun Li throwing her bracelets in my, uh, in my town. That one never made it to Central PA for me. I never heard that one. Uh, you haven't lived. Yep. Uh, so Central in addition, PA wasn't as horny as the Bay Area. I guess. Apparently. I don't know. Uh, so it is. In addition to the uh, friendships, the game also has, uh, or the DLC also has three new stages, and of course, those stages are going to work across most of the modes, uh, and those will get a lot of uh, a lot of um, mileage. So, and the other thing too is that those things are coming free. So, the three new stages, those are coming in a free update on the same day, uh, May twenty sixth, um, and the friendships. And stage fatalities are also coming on that same day. And that all that stuff is free. Uh, if you just pay for Aftermath, that's where you get the story DLC and then the three other characters. So um, there's going to be a little bit of something for everybody on May 26th for Mortal Kombat 11. Um, have, do you still play it at all, Matt? Not really, no. But I will probably buy this. Just I mean, I don't even know if, if I get necessarily get around to it, considering that's about when Xenoblade's going to hit. But like... Yeah. I do want to support this idea and Nether Realm because I think they are doing some of the best work in the fighting game realm right now. Like yep. I'm not, you know, in the Nether they're, Realm. They're, yeah, I mean, their game doesn't really, don't really catch on tournament wise the way some of the others do. But like, as someone who mostly plays fighter fighters solo at this point, like I really appreciate how much solo content they put in those things. Well, the other thing is that the only thing Nether Realm cares about is how many people buy it and. Right nobody beats NetherRealm in that that regard. So no, and like it blows me away. I could like I I mean I don't blame anyone for buying it in huge numbers because they, you know, the Injustice games and the Mortal Kombat games are the most complete packages I think in terms of fighting game offerings. Yep. It just it's just sort of I don't know, like it just surprises me that people found them. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's like oh, they're making the best stuff and they are being properly rewarded for that at at the market and cool like it's just like i, I don't know <laughs> I it, just, it, it just caters. seems so surprising to me that like it worked nether realm caters to the player who likes to buy a fighting game every year and yeah. play it for a month and then move on they don't cater to the people who play fighting games all day every day that's not their audience and when you and what we found is when you do cater to that audience, you're lucky to sell a million copies of your game. So NetherRealm, I think they've got it all figured out. They're like the people that like to just buy a fighting game every once in a while. I would argue those people used to be Tekken players back in like the early days. Mm -hmm. Those people have all kind of transitioned over to NetherRealm stuff. And, and Tekken uh, did have probably the strongest narrative back then. Uh, right, until NetherRealm came along. Mm -hmm. They had the best story mode in fighting games. So I feel like a lot of that audience has just transitioned over, and it's well-deserved. Like, they're not making a mistake. Like, they're smart to go play NetherRealm's games. If you're going to play a fighting game hardcore for a month or two every year or yep. two, that's the game I would recommend to play. So and I got to say that like, um, you know, having finally hooked up my old original Xbox again, I've been digging through some of the old games I have just to see them again. And, you know, some of them are those, you know, those three terrible Mortal Kombat games on yeah. that, you know, there was, what was it? Deception. Uh, there was a whole story. Deception, Deadly Alliance yep. and Armageddon, I think. Right. Was yep. that Armageddon or Apocalypse or whatever. 
It lost like, its way. Wow. Wow. It's like, I, like Mitch Dyer needs to do like a documentary about the <laughs> turnaround of NetherRealm between like that gen and this and the past two gen. Cause like, yeah. I don't know what happened there, but like that is one of the most amazing like rebirths I think I've ever seen for a developer in the history of the game industry. Like yep. you don't really turn it, it around. You don't turn stuff like that around that drastically very often. But that quickly really either. Get, especially yeah. with like a lot of the same leadership. Yeah, like, they ripped like, up the script though. They weren't afraid. Yeah, Ed Boon just said, "It's like, no, we need to do things different," and they and did. That's and hard for people worked. like him to do. I mean, yeah. for a lot of people that are that successful doing something, they're very stubborn a lot of times. And getting them to change paths or look at things differently can be tough. But Ed Boon's the man, so I'm not surprised by it at all. Like he's just an awesome guy in pretty much every regard. So yeah, but um, I also I think he's just a unicorn in terms of people who like run studios and so, and who have been in charge that long. Usually, people like that are not able to pivot in that regard. <laughs> I like, saw Lieutenant Catch so. Forty Two in the chats says it's a profit deal, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then use the yeah. Pactor emoji, and he's absolutely right. Yep. That's all yep. it is. Um, that's how it works. So, but you still gotta not to not no pun intended. You still gotta execute. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. Ed Boone and the Mortal Kombat team have executed. Yep. That, that's the consistently that's the, now for the real fatality were the good games we made along the way. <laughs> that's um, true. That's a good way to put it. Hey, Mitch, what do you think of RoboCop? Do you care about RoboCop? <laughs> do you know what RoboCop is? I do know who RoboCop is. I have not seen the movie RoboCop, but I do okay. know who he is. Uh, no, you, I should see the, you should see the original all. RoboCop. You should go check yeah, that out. It's worth okay. watching. And try uh, to remember if you if you do watch it, try to remember that in 1987 that was satire. Yeah. <laughs> now it's um, just like the world. Yeah, uh, I I don't really care that he's in the game. I actually found the the voice having the actor of Shang Tsung because I grew up on the Mortal Kombat movies. And yes, the second one is awful, but it is my guilty pleasure. I enjoy every crap of that combat. It is so much fun to watch. But uh, I actually have not played Mortal Kombat 11, so I oh. will actually pick it up because... Um, I've been getting into mm. fighters recently. Uh, Dragon Ball Z fighters kind of got me to enjoy fighters again. So, what's I, your best fighting game? What fighting game are you the best at, Mitch? Uh, I think it's Tekken Two. But Tekken is that your one. is that your go to franchise if you want to actually win it, win some matches? Uh, the original, but I no. haven't <laughs> played a Tekken game. I haven't played a fighting game uh, before Dragon Ball Z fighters. I maybe played a little bit of Injustice. But I'd never really touched fighters, to be truthfully honest. So okay. this is actually wanting me to come back. I like the I like the style that they do, and NetherRealm does a great job with their fighters and the DLC. Why not? So I might hop yeah. on it. Well, give yourself some time if you do intend to play the DLC, because like the main story is not super short. Yeah, it takes a while. They, they it's surprising. You, like, they give you eight <laughs> to ten hours there. Like it's I, a, it's I a real may deal. Buy it tomorrow is kind of where my mind's at right now. You might be able to get it pretty cheap now. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that too, and you know... You might uh, want to look for deals. Actually, what I would recommend, Mitch, is wait until the DLC comes out because a lot of times they drop yeah, the price of the they will. game to get people to buy the DLC. So yeah, I would probably I do some kind of bundle. I was going to see if they already had a pre-bundle. There, there go, is a bundle with everything. There is a bundle with everything, but you can't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I don't, because on PSN, I definitely saw it, but I don't think they'll show you the price yet. Yeah. It wouldn't let me look at it for yeah. some reason because it's not out yet, yeah, and you can't pre-order it. So anyway, May 26th, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a good purchase. And you mm -hmm. should buy it because if you support them and other developers see how much money they make off story DLC and fighting games, you're going to see 
more story modes in fighting games and existing fighting games that have them, the story modes are going to get better. So it's just a win-win. And uh, I'm pretty confident that the content that NetherRealm is going to give you is going to be pretty good. So mm-hmm. um, I would... I'm pretty confident saying I would recommend that you pick this up when it comes out here in a couple yeah. weeks. I'll tell you what I would like to see is on top of that is I'd like to see them uh, bring Mortal Kombat 9 forward. No. Because um, 9, 10, and 11 are kind of a trilogy yeah. narratively. And I, I, you can't play 9 on a modern system, I don't think. Um, true. So it'd be nice to have them do like a, maybe a, just a quick remaster of 9 so you can have all the whole trilogy sort of in one place going forward. Yeah, not a bad idea. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Bethesda. Doesn't seem like very often we have conversations about Bethesda that are all that positive. Uh, no. It is certainly... Doom. Doom Eternal. We really good, love Doom Eternal. They had, a good um, time. they had a good April. I'll be interested to see how the sales for that end up doing after mm-hmm. kind of that initial month to see if it has any legs. I mean, the game has already discounted in some places. Yeah, but that's like standard. Like six yeah. weeks after release, everything gets a quick like kind of 20 to 30% sale for a week. Like it seems to just be how things work now. Like, yeah, I don't know. it's true. And I think what the pro- the problem for Bethesda is, I think a, a lot of gamers look at Bethesda as one of the big third-party publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put them up there with like Activision and Ubisoft. And the truth of the matter is Bethesda is not that big. Bethesda typically builds its name on really, really good games that come out infrequently. Mm-hmm. And the problem has become for them is one, they kind of changed that strategy and started putting out more games that ended up delaying the games that people really want to play. Um, and I think another example of that was this week when the SVP of communications for Bethesda replying to a fan on Twitter about the Elder Scrolls 6 said, basically laughed the guy off of Twitter. He said, uh, well, it's coming after Starfield and you still don't know anything about Starfield. So think about that. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's the way you really want to respond to your fans, although I admire the honesty, but the truth of the matter is, is that Matt Kyle was right all along. He has been saying this since the day we saw the teaser trailer that the Elder Elder Scrolls 6 is still years and years away. And Matt, you were absolutely right. Like part of me is beginning to wonder if we see that this gen. I really am saying i'm saying it's 50 50 at this point whether it comes out like maybe like, we get it like gen 9 if yeah we see i mean it. the yeah. upcoming new gen like, i mean like maybe we get elder scrolls 6 at the same time in next gen the when we're getting cyberpunk now yeah it may be a cross-gen game for yeah. like we might be seeing like five and six right like elder scrolls 6 might come out a couple months before playstation 6 I don't know how you can operate your business this way, Matt. I just well, they do it. have they do have a lot of revenue streams. I, I I did start digging into this a little bit, and they do have several revenue streams that we kind of forget about because we don't care about them. Um, like and that's stuff. I'm, well, Elder Scrolls Blades is is very successful for them. Uh, Fallout seventy six is actually doing okay uh, with the revamp; like it's brought some people in. And Elder Scrolls Online is very successful. That is, yeah, um, you're right. We forget, and they they're putting expansions and content out on that thing like constantly. Like it's, I don't. It's like I can't of, even keep up with it. Hardly. Yeah, 
Like I, I, I mean, they got another expansion coming. I think next month or, or soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm like it's already. Like like, the, it's the Skyrim expansion. Yeah, it's like every six months they got a huge new. You're adding like part of the continent again. You know. Well, what they there, do is there they is, start is no cycling more through the games. They're right. like now they're in Skyrim, which is going to be a right. bonanza. But there's also like <laughs> there's also places in that game where we they've never shown before in the yeah. Elder Scrolls. You know, there's, you can go elsewhere and all these other places that you've never been able to go to. In, in an Elder Scrolls game. And that's actually why I play, you know, I do have uh, an account and I play it sometimes. And that's why I play it is because I like to see these places in this world that we haven't been able to, I mean, would I rather be playing Elder Scrolls 6 and seeing them in that? Yes. But like- Why are they, should they have prioritized Starfield over Elder Scrolls 6? I don't know. Like I don't. Like, I don't know if I can really have an opinion on that until I know what Starfield is. I mean, like, I'll say this: they must have a lot of faith in Starfield. Yeah, I mean a lot. And, I mean Starfield. Like there was like that rumor of a leak of it. I don't think that turned out to be true um, a couple weeks ago. Um, but look, Starfield is actually more up my interest alley than Elder Scrolls is on yeah. a really baseline. If you take away the fact that I've enjoyed you know, all the Elder Scrolls games outside yeah. of Arena, like, if you hold up an equivalent of Elder Scrolls Six versus an equivalent of what Starfield looks like it's going to be, I am probably going to be more interested in Starfield. Um, and if you, if they're doing Starfield as sort of like, you know, and, and you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that Todd would look at, like, No Man's Sky and be like, we could do that. We could do that better. And I don't know if that's true, but, like, they... You know, if they're going to take a, their shot at sort of Skyrim in space, like, yeah, you got my fucking attention. Like, it, it's... Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm all over it, too. I'm excited. So I'm into it. Well, so, like, but, yeah, I would kind of like to see Starfield first. But in terms think, of, but, but in terms of like, revenue, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I also wouldn't have said that Skyrim would sell for 10 years. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, the Bethesda's, you know, Bethesda has trouble with their kind of third, second party stuff. But the stuff they make like in-house and in under Todd Howard's supervision tends to be massive, massive hits that just have legs for a decade. So maybe maybe whatever they make is going to be a good idea. Like, I don't know. Like it's, That's a long time to survive. It is. Know? Like I don't and know anything about down. how their finances work. Like You'd think at a certain point you're just constantly putting these games out that seem to cost a lot of money but sell drastically below par. Um, but then I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what the revenue stream from things like Blades and, uh, and well, they're private, so they don't have to really share right, any so of that to, stuff. And they don't have to answer to anybody. Right. So like, it's yeah. not like, you, it's not like you have to report anything on a financial call. The investors are like, you're not maximizing. You're just like, no, if, as long as they keep their it's head a, above water, they're fine. It's a black hole of data. Pretty much. That we really don't know. Other we than don't, what we and, get from MPDs. And there's weird, like, like, where's the switch version of Elder Scrolls Blades? Right. That was supposed to be out of the end of last year. Yeah. You know, like. And that seems like it would be a good revenue stream. That would have them, made right? a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Elder Scrolls on rather, Nintendo console. I would definitely rather play it on that. For sure. I do, I do play it on my phone, but I'd much rather play it on the Switch. I uninstalled it. I got rid of it. I, <laughs> I haven't actually done anything in a long time, but I log in like to get my free gold chest uh, free off. I, I have tons and tons of crap, and I just don't know. I, I probably have enough gems now just from doing that to like buy a bunch of like microtransaction stuff for free, but I just don't play it anymore vincent is saying that the switch version of blades is coming this week according to leaks so really that's what he's right. saying in chat yeah and i didn't, and I didn't mean to be says, so timely but yeah, here we are. perfect timing and bunko says and the vr version of blades which i didn't oh. even, wasn't even aware of so i mean there it makes sense yeah but regardless it's like so what year does skyrim come out 
2007? 2011. 2011. It was freshman in college. Everyone bought their Skyrims and went in their dorms and didn't come out for weeks. Uh, Okay. So it's not, it hasn't been that long then. No, I mean, it's nine years. Yeah, but, but I mean, it'll be, it's looking like it's going to be fi- almost 15 years in between entries of a franchise. Yeah. I mean, it, Skyrim made a lot of money. It didn't make that much money um, to rationalize taking that long to make yeah, a Yeah, but they've also made Fallout games in the middle of that, and they're going to have, star- you know, Starfield, I don't think is going to be a bomb. Like, it's, it's, it's on target for the kind of thing people want, presumably. After Fallout 76, anything's possible. <laughs> I don't. I don't put Fallout seventy six in that same category because it is a not the same kind of game and b not made by Bethesda Game Studios. I get that, but Bethesda thought it was good enough to release, so that's my. Issue. I don't know if they did. Like I, I really, mean, it, went, want, it came out. They didn't it delay did come it. Out. Well, yeah, but I think they had to. And also, like I still believe, with no actual corroborating evidence, um, that the reason they announced Starfield and Elder Scrolls six alongside Fallout seventy six that in the year Fallout seventy six released at E three. I firmly believe that the reason they announced those two two games, even though they were clearly years and years out, was because they knew what Fallout seventy six was going to be, oh. and they knew they had to give people something else to grab onto. To look so that was to. my next question: Why in the hell did Bethesda announce this game at E three twenty eighteen? Because they had mm-hmm. to have known at that moment that Starfield was ahead in the queue and was going to come before the Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, they, so, Todd said that. He so flat why out said would that. they show that teaser trailer? Because like, so you is, know it's coming. But we knew it was coming. Like, once you put out a piece of media, then it's like, okay, it's on. Like, yeah, but now, in, in the wake of that, you and I, just on this show alone, have talked about Elder Scrolls Six like three separate times purely to talk about how it is not, it's not there. Imagine how many times they would have talked about it if it was there. Well, we're still going to talk about it that many times when it is here. Like that's the thing is like you're, you've got it, you've got it in part of the conversation. I get just like just what I said. You have to, you know, even as disappointed as you can be with with Bethesda's current output, you've still got people sitting there saying, "Well, Elder Scrolls Six is coming one day." Um, and if there's one thing we've shown, if you're a big enough fan of something, you will wait around a long time. No matter how much you complain, you will still get there and play it. And if you d- if you doubt me on that, just talk to the people who are making Star Citizen. I just think the fans, Bethesda's fans, as this time keeps dragging on and on, are become going to become less and less tolerant of Bethesda's teasing. That would be completely counter to how video game players behave forever. <laughs> like you mean they're a glutton for punishment? You can get, get, get mad as you want, but as soon as that game goes up for pre-order, they got your money every single time. <laughs> we know we know how this works. It goes back to what I was saying about that There's radio. plenty of other shit to play in the meantime. That radio host that I listen to who just berates his callers and is like the top rated like radio guy in the whole city or whatever. It's people... Mm. I don't know what it is, but there are there's a certain segment of people that you're right absolutely do like to be abused. I don't know why, but I, I am not one of them. I take it personal when stuff like this happens. Um, I think it's crazy that they announced it back at E3 2018. Now with hindsight being 2020, um, and then having Pete Hines say that this week, it's like, what were you thinking? We knew it was coming. We know that right now, sitting here right now, I know that the Elder Scrolls 7 is coming. Like, yeah. see how that works? Like, Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see it. <laughs> I may be dead. Yeah. I mean, I probably will be dead. I'll probably never play it, but it's coming. And so we knew Elder Scrolls 6 was coming. So 
to me, the trailer release doesn't do anything other than to set an expectation that it's not all that far away. But that except ter- I knew it was that far away. Like what no, you've Todd, been saying this all along. I, what Todd, I, I, I and I, the reason I say that is a because I have some idea of how that studio kind of works, but also because of what Todd said that very day when he announced them. Like he straight up said, "Starfield's next." But Starfield is a long way off, and Elder Scrolls Six we haven't even started on. Like he's he's flat out said that in that presentation. Elder Scrolls, the tech to make Elder Scrolls Six does not exist yet. We haven't even started. Yeah. It's way far away, and a lot of people, including you, just sort of seem to think like, "Well, that can't be true." It's like, why would he say something? Because it's demoral- crazy. But why would he say something <laughs> that demoralizing if it wasn't true? Like, it's like clearly he was trying to like limit expectations. I don't know why they put that weird little quick teaser out, other than to say, "If you hate what we're doing now, one day there will be a thing you don't hate." Maybe. Like, yeah. that's literally all that says to me. And I knew we were going to be waiting forever because, like, Starfield just disappeared. So, you know, we didn't, they didn't mention it last year. So, yeah. I mean, we have that one trailer that I'm sure Mitch has been running while we talked yeah. about it. But Starfield, that's, I mean, that's it. We'll be lucky Starfield's out two years from now. Yeah. So. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I don't know. I don't know what Bethesda is thinking. Uh, so I'm not disappointed because this is what I expected, but I can understand yeah. why other people who might have been more optimistic, oh, you sweet summer children. Uh, would have thought that if you're announcing something in 20, uh, when was it, 2018, you you might mean to put that out in less than a decade. But yeah, it's uh, it's not good form. I think we could all agree on that. Showing a trailer for something you know isn't coming for at least like mm-hmm. seven or eight years. Well, at least it's a different bad form. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than the bad form that is Fallout 76. I'll yes. say that much. Uh, so anyway, this may be actually the last time we talk about this game for a really, really long time. Um, because also Pete saying that also says to me, like, leave us alone. Like, we're not going to give you anything on this game. I'm telling you this right now, so you will stop bugging us about it. And so mm-hmm. I have a feeling that we're not going to hear a whole lot about it for a really, really long time. So say la vie elder scrolls 6 i once dreamed that you might be coming in the next year or two and how naive oh, i was what the, <laughs> you gotta start listening to me when i'd say how far away things are <laughs> we went through this with last of us too as well we did actually you're right i i think i have a glass half full perspective a lot of times on this stuff and maybe uh, a little too full sometimes too full. Yes. well I, I i keep i think it's like the um You've ever seen that one meme and it's like the three glasses and they're half full and the one's like, I'm it's half it's it's they're all full of like lemonade or whatever, but like they're, they're one says says I'm half full. The other one says, I pessimist, I'm half empty, realist. I think this is pissed. I am the <laughs> I am the one. realist. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, it's time to move on to the grand finale of episode two eleven. Uh we've been teasing it all episode. We're gonna talk about it now. We're gonna talk about inside Xbox. Uh, from last week, a huge third-party blowout uh, from Microsoft, organized by Microsoft, uh, that mainly f- was supposed to focus on Xbox Series X, but it ended up focusing on PC, Series X, Xbox One. Uh, it really ran the gamut. Uh, and There were so many games announced and so many caveats with each one that I almost had to put together like a spreadsheet to talk about this, um, as far as like wh- which games have like the the ability to buy on xbox one and then get it for free on xbox series x like every game has different caveats um and so we're going to go through all of them but before we do that i want to talk about the uproar around this event 
Um, I will just say I was completely caught off guard by this. Um, I, I was shocked to see the reaction in all honesty. And I think a lot of it was my expectations of what the event was going to be. So I had, I was just, I guess I was just really busy and I had not seen a lot of the pre-promotion that said like gameplay, this gameplay, that I just, because it didn't exist. Oh, it didn't exist. Well, it did in the sense that they said gameplay, but they said, didn't just say gameplay. Like the, the all the promotional stuff said like gameplay and trailers and more, vis, you know, re, on hard running on hardware. I mean, they basically did say what it was going to be, but everybody jumped to the conclusion that it was going to finally show like straight gameplay of things, and it didn't. And I definitely, it, it definitely kind of was like standard Xbox presentation number four thirty nine. You know, like. Like it is exactly that sort of same E3 presentation where it's like, all right, uh, you said it was in engine. I don't really get a flavor of how the game plays from this, but at least I see what it looks like, I guess. And for some reason, people were, you know, there were all, all the tweets about it were like sort of like a list of those things, and people just sort of picked gameplay out and decided it was going to be a bunch of live demos or something. Yeah, I, I see. I didn't get that at all. And I'm obviously I work on Sifted every day. I curate every day. I see probably. 85% of the stuff that that goes live to the site and I had not caught on to that at all. No, I don't I, it, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I don't me know too. what else to Well, well I think say. another part of it is is that I And been, I'm not saying that means it was great. Right, right. But like we'll, it's, we'll get to it that. didn't shock me. Yeah, but the other thing is that I've been through this before. I've been through right. the the console transfer from one system to another and that's generally how it works. The first yeah. time they and do And specifically you've been through Microsoft's transfer from one yeah, system exactly. to another. Yeah, exactly. And that's how it works. They, When they first talk about it, they show a bunch of fancy CG trailers, concept stuff. The second big event, which this is, you show in-engine footage from right. the games. Um, I did not, and again, disappointment is always directly proportional to your expectations. So my expectation was that we would see trailers that used in-engine footage from Xbox Series X games. And I thought maybe if we were lucky we would get like a five-minute demo of Valhalla. Mm -hmm. And so we did not get the demo of Valhalla, but everything else... No, we else, didn't even get that. That's, that's yeah, true. but everything else was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. So when I started seeing this like uproar, and I didn't even notice, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. I don't have time to. Um, so I didn't see what was going on on Twitter, but I started seeing the blurbs for podcasts from like Kind of Funny. And it was the blurbs were like the gameplay or the 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 confuse the the manipulative titling or whatever i'm like mm -hmm. i that just went like yeah i don't like, over my, my, my reaction I, I just looked a little i did i saw that too i got i pay more attention to twitter than you do i think just because i have more time to do it but like my, my constant reaction to the hot takes on this one it was like are are you new because yeah. like it, this is exactly what it was always going to be. That's like, how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Like this ain't Ubisoft here, folks. They're not going to do a twenty-minute demo with fake voiceover from non-existent multiplayer chat. Like this is going to. No, be... I will say this though, because Ubisoft had pumped up Valhalla being in inside Xbox. I that's why I thought there might be a five-minute demo of the game. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I, but like in the end, I think we pretty much just got an extension of what we'd already seen for the most part. Um, like I don't, I can't say I looked at any of the stuff in this inside Xbox presentation and feel like I know how much of this plays outside yeah. of maybe one or two of the games. Like most of it is just a teaser for a thing that exists. It's like, you know, that, that's a, the most you can say for about 70 to 80% of these things is like, this is a thing. 
No, there you go. It's Marvel. like, what else are you going to do? Like, yeah. like there's, there's, there were no gameplay demos in this. It's just in-game. Some of it is clearly gameplay in the sense that this is a thing that might happen when you play the game. But, there but will it's probably, shot from a different angle. Shot from the, there will probably be a HUD on it, you know, when you play it. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very presentational versus plaisantational. I don't know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I like that, plaisantational. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, plaisantational. Like, it's not how you're going to play it, but it is what you're going to play from a certain point of view. My literally. first my first reaction when I saw that there was backlash was, oh, it's just PlayStation fanboys. Um, I just assume that it's like them mm-hmm. trying to dump all over the Xbox. I don't know if that's true. That no, was I, did, I, didn't think, I think people were legitimately disappointed. Like I like the, the reaction. Well, there's somebody saw, here who was, and it's Mitch. The reactions so, I saw were definitely genuine responses. Yeah. I don't think that was an astroturf or a, or a fanboy thing. I think yeah. people really, for whatever reason, had a very different idea in their head of what this was going to be. Well, Mitch, Mitch did, so he can explain, you know, what, that perspective. Well, I mean, they use the word gameplay. I'm just, I, I can under, I'm not as outraged as the entire other internet sphere is, but I am, uh, it just reassured me that Microsoft needs to fix its messaging. It's not very good at it. Um, I think from naming its consoles, the names they choose, like, why would you name your console Xbox Series X after you have an Xbox One X? Like the, the messaging Fix your messaging so that you can, so a basic person can understand it. And they just use the word gameplay by itself. If they didn't use that word and they put everything else on there, I think it would have been fine. But yeah, I, but the thing is, like, there there is gameplay. Like, you know, there a couple of the things were gameplay. Like, I feel like I did get gameplay of Second Extinction and uh, whatever the one where you're using the the fake uh, bullet storm Brain one. Memory but that's Infinite. a gameplay yeah. trailer. Like that that's there's a difference. Like, not uh, really. Like I, I, I saw gameplay is. of it. I th- like when I, you say gameplay, I expect you to actually be playing the game. That's the expectation I've grown up throughout all the year, all these years. When they say we're going to show you gameplay, you're actually playing the game. Ghost of Tsushima showed off gameplay at E3. It may not have showed all the HUDs and stuff, but you have an actual sequence of events that you would be experiencing when you're playing the game. When they were yeah, but Bright Memory up, did that. Right memory did that one, but that was just and one. second extinction. I would say I wouldn't yeah. say second. I mean, maybe a snippet. I think that's all in-game footage, like in Second Extinction. Like I, I get it. I'm watching. I think it almost yet. all these trailers were in-game footage. I think they're in, en- in engine. I in don't know how much of it's. it's and in-game. I will, I will say this. Like I do think Microsoft probably should have used something like in-game, in-engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think trailer it would, have made- would have been a better word. I, I just if they put trailer at the end of gameplay, I think it would have not gotten the backlash it had. Because they're because what you're saying, yes, I, um, what is it? Scarlet Memory, I think is the name of it. Uh, Bright Scarlet Memory Nexus. Infinite. Bright Scarlet Memory Nexus. Infinite. That one. It's a lot of unmemorable titles. Like a actual gameplay experience. Okay, so so Mitch, right now I am on the site, and for instance, Assassin's Creed Valhalla Xbox Series X gameplay trailer. That's what it's called. Right on their thumbnail. Right, but leading up to the event, they didn't say it was going to be a gameplay trailer. They said, "Well, they didn't. They're not going to tell you what everything's going to be. It takes all the fun and the excitement out of it." Yeah, but hype this all up for a one-minute in-game footage trailer. 
I just think being disappointed by the lack of quote unquote some kind of like ticky tacky what gameplay is constituted is missing the point as to why you should be disappointed to this because the real reason you should be disappointed by this is that all of it looks dumb. <laughs> so like there was very little in this that I thought was exciting whether it was gameplay or not. Yeah, I mean so that's that the bottom line. Problem. I mean the bottom line for me is that regardless of what the expectations were or what someone else's expectations were, this was not a good showing. Bottom no. line. No, it wasn't. It just no, wasn't. Agreed. The games that they had, and we're going to go through each one one by one. The games that they had in this were very low hanging fruit, like extremely. And, and I mean, some of it was just bizarre. And I don't yeah. mean the I don't mean the games themselves. I mean the fact that they were chosen for the this. fact that they were chosen, and this the way some of it was presented. The Madden thing is one of the weirdest things <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, like, I don't understand what I was supposed to glean from that. Yeah, and showing, that's that's also minutes, true from a lot of this. Yeah. yeah, showing like two seconds of a football player reaching out it signifies that you should put it on your stage. Like, okay, yeah, I don't. On, well, it is mad. So I understand why they put it in there, but I agree that EA's handling of it was not yeah, but, good. But also, like, you know, the Madden thing kind of goes back to what you said about Elder Scrolls 7. It's like, yeah, we know it's coming, yeah. but until you have something to show us, shut up. Well, like, they do I, like, show there's, like, six seconds of gameplay. They do that with Madden every year. Yeah. They have, like, some corny live-action thing, and then they show literally, like, three to five seconds of the new Madden. I was um, just shocked there was no FIFA. Well, look, this wasn't... This we were supposed to wait to get to this game, but we're on it now. So let's, talk, let's just talk about Madden. That game looks awful. It... Madden has had a problem uh, with the first entry on pretty much every platform ever. It, the first entry is always this stripped-down version of the game that may or may not play well, generally doesn't have half the modes of the prior-gen version, um, but at least you generally knew that the game was going to look a good bit better. Uh, the five-second snippet that they show of Madden NFL 21, it is blatantly obvious that it is just... Madden NFL 20 running in 4K. They have yeah, done... I'll, I'll be honest. When I saw the, the clip on that, I was waiting for the, like, and now it looks like this. Right, right. Like, clip. you're waiting for that yeah. shot to, like, explode. Right. And then reveal the real Madden right. NFL 21. Exactly. It looks terrible. Uh, that is, again, that is not the way you want to get off on your first foot when you're talking about Generation 9 consoles. But, you know, EA is like, we got we to gotta be there on day one. We got to be there on day one. I don't know that that is the right strategy, to be honest with you anymore. Now, on Xbox, it's not as big of a difference because you're going to be able to play that Xbox One version on Series X, and it's going to up-res it for you automatically. Um, the PlayStation version is a little bit of a bigger deal, uh, but it just looks awful. You can tell that they have done no extra work on it so far, and it's coming out in like three months. So... they The models are the same. The fields are the same. The grass is the same. It's just a little crisper and clearer because it's in 4K. So just another, and we'll get to all these games, but definitely one of the games that they showed that I was like, that looks bad. That is not, I understand why they did it. They're like, we want people to know that this 4K Madden is coming to our platform, but it did not make your platform look good. And that's big, what- I think the big thing was like, you know, this is their first opportunity to show next gen and it should be a blowout. It should be, this is compelling to buy next gen. And that was, this was more of a hang on to your Xbox, but you could upgrade. And there are some games that will upgrade with it, but it felt as if they were saying, stick with what you have. You don't need to move up. Yeah. Well, also it was the, you know, Madden was actually the only third major third party game in the whole thing. Like 
everything else felt like also ran. I mean, you you devote that much time to a Codemasters game, you do not have much in your presentation. Like there was no Ubisoft, there was no Activision, there was no you know EA showed up for NFL. That was it. Um, it just felt like all this like B list stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with B list stuff, but it also is not the way to get me to plunk down a pre order. Wait, this is like um like I don't know if Mitch is running it right now because I can't see it, but. Like there's a third party reel that they created from it that has all the games from this. It's a montage of all of them. And watching that montage, that is something that would have been shown as you walked out of the press right. conference. Right. Or that, that, it would like be the, the last, last thing, thing they show before the before somebody came up and like said thanks, goodbye. Yeah. It's like, not like what the show was comprised of. So, you know, this for love it or not, like it or not. Uh, this was a big coming out party for party for Xbox Series X. That is that is what I believe the expectations were, no matter who you were. Mm-hmm. Is it this was? Well, a you wanted event. to see what these things are going to look like, and, and I don't think we did for the most part. Or if, yeah. if that is what they're going to look like, that I don't know if that's five hundred dollars of upgrade. Well, let's start. You know let's I mean? start going through these. We've already we already talked about Valhalla, although they did announce this week that or Ubisoft did as a part of this that it is going to be a shorter game. It's not going to be as long as Odyssey. Only one hundred and fifty hours this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They didn't really say whether that's the way it's going to be going forward. They just said that this game is going to be that way, which makes me wonder if it's almost becoming kind of like one of those Far Cry side game things that releases in like the off year. No, uh, I don't think so. I think well, they, I think they just realized that Odyssey was a little much. Okay, um, I hope that's true because I think that they do need to pull it back a little bit. I think it did, it did border on bloat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We talked about you know the fact we thought there was going to be gameplay. There was just a gameplay trailer that showed in engine stuff. How did you think the in engine stuff looked? Because personally, I didn't think it looked that great. I mean, it looks fine, fine, um, but not like oh my god, like no. that's next gen. Like I can definitely tell that it's running on more powerful hardware than what we have now. Clothing, but, yeah, stuff like that. But it's more of like a, it's a step up, not a leap up. Um, I mean, it might be different if you see it in, you know, some of this stuff does jump out a little differently if you're seeing it live on an actual 4K TV. Oh, sure. Yeah, if, you know, I mean, you certainly, I think uh, like Gears Four uh, this gen. Looks real good when you see a trailer, but then when I saw it like in 4K running in front of me at the booth, like it was like, holy crap, it's a big difference. And yeah, I'm sure that, that there'll be something to that with this game too. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, if you showed me that like and didn't tell me it was next gen, I might just assume it was running on a nice video card. Yep. It was like the PC version of the yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I feel like a lot of this stuff looked like. Yeah, the PC version running on Series X or whatever. Uh, next up, Call of the Sea. This is a investigative adventure game where you is set in the 30s, which I think is really freaking cool because hardly any games are ever set before even like 1950. Uh, so I think that's really cool. But you play as a wife who goes looking for her missing husband, who is an archaeologist who has gone missing when he went to this island to study some lost ancient civilization. So you show up, you're the wife, uh, you get some clues, and then off into intrigue. Uh, What I liked most about this trailer is it does some things that old video game trailers used to do all the time and they rarely do anymore. And that is put little Easter eggs in there. Like the very last shot of this trailer shows like a, a merman swimming. And it's just this one shot of one stroke. And that changes everything you're like oh my gosh 
Her husband found like mermaids or some crazy species. And now she's going there. She doesn't know what's going on. And she could get mixed up in all these this problems and these troubles. I would thought that game to me was one of the most interesting ones that they they showed. It could be. I mean, it's definitely Lovecraftian. Um, any kind of ancient civilization with fish people is going to be. With, with a, there's a little bit of foreboding in the trailer, so I think there's definitely some Lovecraft vibes there. Yeah, it's cool. Um, or they're going for more of a Shape of Water thing. I don't know. <laughs> like, <see what> <laughs> I hope. I hope it's the former and not the latter. Um, could be both. I don't know. It's yeah. not not uh, unheard of. But uh, yeah, it looks it's intriguing. It's more of a more of a teaser than anything else. But, I mean, it, uh, it also doesn't look like it's not. It's not a console mover. It's, no. it's not the game that people see and they're like, I need to get an Xbox Series X. Well, um, also because I guarantee you, it's not just on that. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. It, it, but but it looks cool. Like it's it's a you know even if it's not the thing that would convince me to get an Xbox, it's at least something like I'm glad to have seen, glad to know is coming. Uh, one thing I should have added about Assassin's Creed before we moved on was that it does have the smart delivery feature, meaning you can mm -hmm. buy it for Xbox One and then you get the Xbox Series X version. That's also the case for Call of the Sea. It also has smart delivery. Uh, up next, a game that we mentioned briefly earlier, Second Extinction, uh, or as I like to call it, Left 4 Turok. It's mm -hmm. basically a mashup of Turok Dinosaur Hunter and Left 4 Dead. Uh, you play in three-player squads, and uh, you head out to try to rid the Earth of dinosaurs once again. Uh, this also doesn't look like a console seller, but I'm pretty darn excited for it. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, I like Turok stuff. Uh, I will be more interested if I find out that you can play it solo. Yeah, um, I, yeah I kind of doubt that that's going to be the case. I think it's really just a co-op game. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think it looks nice. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've always been interested in sort of the progression of video game dinosaur tech ever since Trespasser. Why um, aren't there more dinosaur games? I think because dinosaurs are hard to to, to do. Make, uh, to like animate. The, and yeah, and like everybody has a certain expectation of what a dinosaur has to look like because of the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, and like you just like you're 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 committing yourself to a certain level of fidelity and quality that like a lot of I think a lot of games just aren't up to, to matching. Yeah, Mitch, um, I mean, it, he probably hasn't played a lot of dinosaur-related games. Maybe Dino Crisis? Have you played that, Mitch? Yes, Dino Crisis is probably the only dinosaur game I played. But uh, to answer your question, Matt, you can play it solo. Um, you can. You can play it solo and then team up with people if you'd like to take on hordes. Mm. So is there a campaign, or are you just playing the horde mode by the, yourself? The way uh, I had to do this research for noob um, for noobs. So I, the way it was describing it is, is that an open world that you're hopped into, and then you can team up with people. The dinosaurs roam the land. You walk around the world, and then you can pay, team up with people if you want to take on a horde. Okay. I don't know how that works all together, but that's just what the description told me. So you me. can kind of team up on the fly. As you yes. need help, you can maybe put out a call for help and have people come running. That's probably you. where you can, where the, um, at the beginning of the trailer, something shoots down from a spaceship. Maybe that's yeah. where you shoot down from. Well, I thought it was just the three of you deploying. So it also, like, that's not super different from how Far Cry works. No. No, that's a good point, actually. Um, you can call co-op call co in to help with, like, fortresses and stuff. That's true. Um, but I do wonder if there will be like a story-driven campaign to play through, or if you're just thrown into a world with a bunch of dinosaurs running around and you just got to survive. Uh, the, the trailer definitely hints at an actual story premise. I don't know if there's more to it than that, but we'll see. I'm really excited for this game, even if it doesn't have a story. Just dinosaur hunting co-op with my bros. I'm all about that, man. Um, I 
loved Turok Dinosaur Hunter for all its faults back in the day. Um, probably couldn't play it today, and I definitely couldn't play Turok 2 today. I do not have the patience for that anymore. Turok 2 is not bad. Like the remasters they did, um, now that they added like Save Anywhere, uh, a lot easier. Well, yeah. I mean, I could not play the N64 version of Turok 2. No, anymore. no. I it was would, literally like an that. hour and a half between save points yep. in that game. It was brutal. Oh, man. I, I don't know if I ever finished it. No, I did. I did finish that one. I buckled down and got it done. But man, that was a brutal game. So I don't want that again. I like the premise of Turok. I like that it's a story-driven game. Um, but that, that franchise definitely flew off the rails. And some of the recent installments basically killed it for good. Uh, so I'm happy to see something like this. that can revive the concept in a new and fun way. That's like the way I look at it. Mm. Uh, next up. Dirt 5, Matt already laid into this one real good. Oh, also, Second Extension also has smart delivery. So you can buy Xbox One and get the Xbox Series X version. Uh, Dirt 5 is up next. Matt had mentioned earlier that when you're showing a game like Dirt 5 and your big third-party blowout, that's a sign of some problems. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, would, I, was more, I was more referring to that at the end of it, they had like a 10-minute interview with the Codemasters oh, people oh, on it. Oh, and it's just it. like, really? <laughs> like, okay, like... I did not understand. I mean, I, maybe this is a more popular franchise than I'm giving it credit for, but I sure as hell, I mean, I, and they're good. Like I played Dirt 3 at least, I think, and it was good. Uh, I played but, every Dirt and they are great. Um, the other thing I would say too about the Dirt franchise is if you're a big PC gamer, a lot of times those games are used as like benchmark tools because mm -hmm. those games in general look like night and day from console to PC. Yeah, well, this one did look good. I mean, it did look good. I just yeah. don't It is Codemasters' best-selling franchise. Um, even like they just put out Dirt Rally 2.0, which did really well. But Dirt is their bread and butter. That is the one that sells the best. It is the best-selling rally racing game in the world. But... Looking at this, one thing I will say is it did appear that now, finally, there will be parity between the console and the PC versions, which is good. But otherwise... Until was, Dirt 6. Right, right. But otherwise, there was nothing unique about Dirt 5 at all. Like, they didn't even have, like, bullet points to put in the trailer to, to say, this is new. It's like, yeah, we're going to race over gravel and mud and tarmac. Yeah, we've been doing that now for the first four Dirt. So... <clears throat> I struggled to really see the hook of Dirt 5 other than, hey, fans of Dirt, which I am one, here's the next one. Cool. That's yeah, pretty much I mean, how I took it. Sometimes it's all you need, I guess. Yep. Also, smart delivery. Mitch, have you ever played a Dirt game? No, I played MotorStorm. Okay. Did you ever play, um, what was that old uh, rally racing game, Matt, for Xbox? Was it Rally Sport Challenge? Yeah. That yeah. Was, those games were Those great. were very good. Did you ever get to play any of those, Mitch? No. Okay. Um, so you're not a rally racing veteran then, I guess. No, not really. Um, I would tell Colin you though, saying, uh, one of the features they were talking a lot about was the four-player four split-screen split screen, uh, couch co-op. That's yeah. the biggest thing that they were <laughs> tooting about that game. Back to the N64 days. <laughs> yeah. Even weirder now because it's like, no one, no one can come over yeah. and sit on the couch. <laughs> it's so. like it's, it's a pointless feature now. <laughs> couch co-op just it just got cut out of about like eight hundred <laughs> games in the last two months. It's basically like, like coming in twenty twenty one. Well, it sucks for games like this. It's a lot of work because you have to display the screen four times on one screen. So you have to go in and like cut down texture quality. You have to create separate like models that you use that are lower poly, so it'll run at a decent frame rate. It's a lot of work. So 
I'm sure there are many developers that are, are not crying a tear over the fact that uh, that that feature is not going to be expected for the next like year, probably. Uh, next up, Scarlet Nexus. This is what did I what did I call it? A Bandai Platinumo. <laughs> it's a Bandai Namco game that looks like it was made by Platinum Games. Uh, it's a yeah, it looks like you lock someone in a room with like code vein and astral chain for a week and to like okay make something <laughs> and then they came out and they're like here it is this is what i'm doing i will say this though um platinum's games generally are way better than bandai namco's in this genre anyway which is the mm. anime hack and slash action rpg genre typically platinum's games just look way better play better this is the first one i've seen from bandai namco that looks like it might be in the same league at least mm. But it's weird. Like it, the the enemies are like flowers. <laughs> it's like yeah, the friendlier it's, version of the Last of Us enemies. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I don't know. Like it's it. Sometimes these like kind of anime character action games feel like they're really digging for a hook. Yeah. Uh, well, this is when he has psychic there. powers or whatever. Yeah, the the your characters in this seem to be telekinetic and um, like the the gameplay instead of using a you know they have swords, but instead of like using like big weapons or whatever, you're basically using your telekinesis to pick things up and smash people and smash enemies and do like combos with them like that. Um, and like there was some dynamic stuff they showed in it. Like there was some cool things in it. Like there's, there's just the question of like what's the difference? You know, you're still just pressing a button and smashing people with things. It's, it's sort of like how, like, you know, fighting game is like the character that never punches and just uses their mind to, like, throw swords. Is that <laughs> really that different from playing as Ryu? You know, it's like... Yeah. It's... Uh, you're doing the same thing on the controller in the end, but it looks nice. Um, I don't know if it next-gen looks nice, but it does look nice. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and I will say this, too. Like, you were talking about Astral Chain a minute ago. That's a Platinum game. It was a Switch exclusive. And it does have a unique mechanic. And that mechanic is you have a chain that you mm -hmm. can use, and it presents all kinds of new opportunities for combos and things you never thought of. I'm not really seeing that with uh, with this game, with Scarlet ne Nexus. It's uh, It looks like you have psychic powers, which probably means you'll be able to teleport, but it doesn't seem to be bringing much new to the table. Mitch, did maybe you see something that we're not seeing? Uh, I, I thought it looked pretty good. I mean, I don't think it's going to blow everything out of the water, but I did see one of the cool moves that kind of made me go, hmm, this is cool. Uh, when she took her tele he took his telekinetic ability to control the head of the beast and threw his head to the ground. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe you're going to play with their body parts a bit and can kind of trip them and do different things like that, that we don't get a lot of stuff like that in games anyway. So yeah, there was a couple things like that where I was like, oh, that's cool. Like almost like, why don't Jedi do that? Hmm. Like, you, you, yeah. you theoretically could do that with the force, right? So you, at least the bad guys, you'd think, would be knocking people around with their heads heads to the ground more often. Yeah, yep. Uh, but I think, again, it's the game looks okay. It's just not one of those games that you see and you're like, that makes me want to buy this. And maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point of all this is the cumulative effect. Maybe that's yeah. my, what Microsoft is going for. Yeah, it's like there will be things here. Lot, like lots of things. Yeah, uh, that's the only angle I can see for showing some of these games. Yeah, there's, there's maybe it's sort of like it's like you know it's a successful system because look at all the mediocre things on right. it. Right, <laughs> because you know you can't have mediocre stuff unless the system is already great. Right, <laughs> you're right though. That thinking does kind of work. 
Uh, next up, this is one of the games that I'm probably most excited about that were debuted, uh, The Medium from Bloober Team. Mm -hmm. uh, Bloober Team, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated developers in the industry and have been for quite a while. Uh, they created Layers of Fear. They actually just worked on that Blair Witch game for Xbox mm -hmm. that just came out. And they did uh, Observer. Observer, thing, yeah. which was a cyberpunk first person, like, it's just creepy. Yeah. Like, they're really good at making creepy. That's yeah, what they're I very good say. at what they do. Yeah. Like, they and, should be as known as, like, Don't Nod or yep. Spiders for doing sort of, like, their own thing. They're really good at their own particular thing, and no one else is really doing it like yep. that. Um, maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be what puts them over the top. But like they, I have not played anything by them that I didn't like. I've liked all of it. Yeah. In fact, I remember I played Observer doing one of our Patreon drive streams, and mm -hmm. that was the game that got the most comments of all the ones I played, other than Dark Souls, of course, because for obvious reasons. But right. that game, people are like, I've never heard of this. This is really cool. Like, I how did I not know about this? What's the studio working on? It? It's Bloober Team. Yeah. Uh, it's also one of Rutger Hauer's last roles. That's true. That's right. He died shortly after that. Um, and they are always classified as indie, but their games are pushing right up against that ceiling on a consistent basis. So the medium, you play as a medium, <clears throat> but it's one of those games where it has like a dual worlds. So there's the world that's like inside her mind is the medium, and then there's the real world. Um, and one thing I do know is that Bloober Team is really good at scaring up the scares and uh, making you feel uneasy while you play. And having that tool at their disposal as far as like the duality, I think could be a boon to this game. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. It is not smart delivery, though. So mm -hmm. that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, but I was pretty pumped about this. I do. I May, I am a minor Bloober Team fanboy, so maybe I'm a little bit biased on this one, but uh, I'm pretty excited for it. And Mitch, have you ever played any of the other Bloober Team games? Did you play Layers of Fear? No, Did you play? I haven't, okay. but I'm a, I enjoy Silent Hill. It's one of the games I watched my dad play when I was a kid. Um, and I will say, there are so many parallels to Silent Hill in this game. It's crazy. The music... The composer, the composer is the same composer. Yeah. It's Akira but, uh, Yamaoka. We should, I should have mentioned that. Akira yeah. Yamaoka is doing the music for this. Yeah, um, and there's that. One of my absolute favorite game composers. Yeah, there's that. And then uh, she is following a child. That happens in the original Silent Hill. The I think it's Harry is his name, is following his daughter. Um, mm -hmm. There's two different parallel worlds happening. There are just too many things that yeah. I thought this was Silent Hill, to be truthfully honest. At first, when the trailer parallels. started running. Yeah. yeah, and the music. I mean, it just all supported each other, and then it was a different game. But I'm still definitely excited for that reason, that it this might be just be a spiritual successor to Silent Hill that is a good one. A man can dream. Yeah. <laughs> that's about all we're going to get. It's mm -hmm. a good facsimile at this point. It's the best that we can hope for. <clears throat> Next up, we're going to talk about, and this game to me was one that really stood out as it should not have been there, a game called The Ascent. It's a cyberpunk twin stick isometric action or co-op action RPG. <laughs> yeah, of everything in, in this presentation, I don't think I was more disappointed by my initial, ooh, what's that, versus what it turned out to be. I like I, I like cyberpunk stuff. I really like the neon look that they had when they first showed start the trailer on this, and then when they switched to the gameplay, I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> like, this, well, this should not have been in the show at all. 
Um, it could be a great game. It could be fine. It's just not the type of game that you show in a landmark event like this. Again, it's something that's in that like sizzle reel that right. plays as everybody shovels out or shuffles out of the the arena. Like it's not a focal it's, it's, point. It's the game on one demo station you play because you don't want to wait in line for something. Yeah, and you're like, I need to cover it anyway, so I guess I'll spend five minutes for this with this while I wait to get this other kiosk to open. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Like. And it is very much an indie game. Um, it's being published by Deep Silver, I think. So, Maybe. yeah, you know, Deep Silver is ge generally like B level. You know, they're not quite indie. They're not quite big budget. They're somewhere in the middle usually, uh, and that's where this one kind of falls. I also didn't like like the art style and the cinematics. Like some of the creature designs, I just thought looked bad. I just, I thought it was a bad look to have this in the presentation. Just being honest. Uh, we already talked about Madden. Next up, a pleasant surprise, in my opinion, uh, Bright Memory Infinite. This was not debuted during Inside Xbox, though. This game has been a known quantity for quite a while. Uh, when this trailer came out, we already had like four or five other trailers curated to sifted for it. So it was a known thing beforehand, but a lot of the media that had been produced for it before was really low rent and low budget. You could tell that Microsoft worked with the the guy, by the way, who is working on this game to cut this trailer together for him. And yeah, that's was, right. It's one guy. And, right. And yeah. so you can see that, you know, Microsoft's marketing department helped them out with promoting this game. And man, it, uh, that game looks impressive. Mm -hmm. um, of all the stuff they showed, it was like the one that made me kind of cock an eyebrow. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I admit, I, I wasn't, it, it actually won me over over the course of the trailer. Because um, like it early, makes you show a new stuff, as right? It goes. Early on, I was like, "Oh, great, another another." It looks shooter like Killzone. Yeah, or it looks like Killzone. It looks like Bulletstorm. It's all gray, a, black, and red. Like, like, I'm not a Bulletstorm fan. I'm not like a oh, we can pull this around, do a combo with this. Da, 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 da. I also like. I feel like I'm kind of over first person stuff. Like, like I get in weird, general. Like in general, I think I don't. You got. You're gonna have to work to get me interested in a first-person game, and I am including Cyberpunk in that. Like, I am a little, still a little disappointed that Cyberpunk is in first-person. Um, it's not gonna stop me from playing it, obviously, but it's just like I like to be able to see my character. I think uh, as I have gotten older, I, for whatever reason, I like to see who I am. Um, well, maybe it's because games now put a big emphasis on customizing that person. Yeah, I think that could be it. Because all the RPGs, you, it's like. Oh, there's that axe I got. He's actually mm -hmm. got it on his back. Actually oh, using it. There it yeah. is. Like I, I, got think, new I got new shoes. Like, and I think like that I has changed the way that people look at games now. Especially yeah. people who pay for that stuff. They're like, wait, I paid for this and I can't see it while I'm playing. Screw yeah. you. Those I mean, are like the two things. Like I, I've noticed this with other people that I know, and also especially younger. Um, there's like this attitude of like, a, why can't I see my character? And b, if you're not going to let me create my character and make me play as a specific person. You better have a good reason yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, and I can identify with that. But this, I think, as you went on, especially, I think when you started, they started fighting kind of in the river and the, the enemies that were sort of porting in were like, almost looked like knights. I was like, oh, what is this? Like some kind of time rift thing or something? <laughs> yeah. like something some weird shit's going on in this game and they, they got my attention over the well, course of the Well, it's called Bright Memory Infinite. So yeah. it very well could be that you travel to different time periods to experience different things yeah, I don't know. in other shooters. Like I always, thought time, lapse was a, it's not I always thought time lapse shooter. was a good idea. They just never... Yeah. Time lapse sucked. Um, there's the always that, is it uses a sword. You mix yeah. in sword combat with the gunplay. 
Um, Mitch, uh, you had said that you were impressed with that, right? That's what a little kind of, bit of dishonored there in a yeah. sense. Yeah, it's true. That, that game impressed me the most. I mean, I, and unfortunately, I wish that thing got pushed to maybe the middle and not be the first thing because once I saw that, I was like, oh my god, everything's gonna be like this because it's so it was so good. And I just was utterly disappointed by the rest of it. But something I did see when I looked back at some old trailers of this game, um, the juggling mechanic that you have with the sword is really impressive. And I, it just got me 100% in on playing this game once it comes out. Well, it has another layer of complexity to the combat. That's made by one guy. <clears throat> it's, that's amazing. But here's my fear. My fear is that the game is like 90 minutes long. Because it's made by one dude. It's like, how much can you expect? So we'll see when it comes out. But wow, that was a pretty impressive showing for that game from one person. Uh, The fact that I came out of this and that was one of the games I remembered, that's mission accomplished, let me tell you. And they did know that that was what, I mean, while the rest of it was kind of a come down after that, they did know to lead with it. Yeah, they did. Yep. So even they knew. They're like, this is one of the best looking games we got here. (laughs) That's crazy. But it's true. Uh, next up, a game that also should not have been shown in this, Scorn. Scorn is is not, but it might as well be the sequel to Agony. Do you guys remember Agony? Uh, yeah. Back at Halloween, we did the top 10 most repulsive moments in games, and that was number one like four times over. because yeah. You can periodically get it for like 90 cents on the Switch store. Yeah. Um, and this game looks a whole lot like that. Like If you read the description of it, it's basically like, Walk around while weird stuff happens to you. It's like, okay, uh, uh, fine. Certain people are going to really enjoy that. Uh, This game looks like it's also going to skirt really close to that AO rating, just like Mm -hmm. Agony did. But you just, you don't put it in this. Like, it's just this, the trailer is really long and it's just really like lingering pans on like gross stuff. I, I, I don't, I have no idea. This game is like, it's definitely an indie game. It's definitely way under the radar. It's been a known quantity for like a year now and nobody cares. And they put it in this. I, what are they doing? I, I couldn't understand it. I, when it started playing, I'm like, that's freaking scorn. What is that doing in this presentation? Like, it just makes no sense. I mean, I'm into it because it's HR Giger. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm interested. I do think it went on too long. Um, and of course, I still don't really know what you're doing in it. Like, it, it I told give you, me, Matt, you walk around and weird stuff happens. It doesn't give me any information, <laughs> though. I mean, that's um, literally like their official description for it. I mean, I'm, I, I am going to play this when it comes out because of the HR Giger connection. That's it. Like, that's yeah. that's all there is to it. I, I don't know what it's doing here. I guess it was. It looked pretty good. It was a pretty good representation of his art style um, in a game. Uh but it felt like it really stopped everything dead. Yeah. It's just a momentum killer. It was bad. Just a poor decision to have that in there. You're right. I mean, it technically, it did show off kind of like texturing and things like mm-hmm. that. But there are other ways to do that that are far more fun and exciting for the viewer than looking at gross stuff for like well, we, two and a half We at least know the Xbox will do goo very we well. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Uh, next up, Chorus. Um, Matt, you're a fan. Here's here's the thing. So you're a fan of space shooters. Mm-hmm. You're also really a fan of story-driven games. Mm-hmm. But there has not really been a game that has accomplished both. Maybe Panzer Dragon Orta might be one. Um, I mean, I think Rebel Galaxy Outlaw does okay Yeah. in terms of that. Um, this is like my third 
like, like my number three pick in the whole show here. I knew it like would be. I knew it would be. It's. Uh, I'm very. I still don't fully understand what it is. Um, <laughs> it's but a, like, woman you got my go attention. Killer creators, and she's in a ship, and there's space combat. Yeah, we got. We want to get in a in a starfighter and go kill God. Like, let's do it. Like, I'm I'm all, I'm all for it. Like, I don't know what this is about, but like, you there's got parts my attention. Of the trailer that make I, it almost look like Control. Yeah, there was a control element to it. I, I I was a little disappointed that it seemed to indicate that it's coming whenever. You know, like yeah. like there was no. I was hoping it's like, oh, if this is launch, I will definitely get this as one of my launch games. Mm, no, like it's just like it looks like early next year maybe. But uh, it did it did make me sit up and take more notice than the last whatever the last few things they shown was. So, oh, I knew, I knew as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's all Matt. I'm like right mm-hmm. there. I'm like, it's a space shooter and it's pl- story driven. Uh, one, we don't get those very often, and uh, and two, you know, yeah. that is in Matt's wheelhouse. That's why it's also a little creepy. Really I thought there's like yeah, the element sure. of like kind of the singing of the universe and all that. I the relationship like that. with the ship. Like yeah. there's that one shot where she kind of touches the ship and it's almost like the ship is like a person or mm-hmm. a character. And there is some kind of AI stuff in there that like drives the game. And it's a, also the, the spaceship itself is an AI being called Forsaken. Mm-hmm. So it itself, they work together in tandem to um, do all the stuff. And I also was reminded for whatever reason of, and I can't remember the name of the game now, maybe, maybe, you know, it came out like last year, the year before, and it was like where you played this woman and you didn't really understand where you were. You were in this like kind of like weird, like kind of gothic-y complex, but like eventually clones of yourself started trying to kill you. Oh. And uh, as you Echo. die, Echo, Echo, that's it. And as you yeah. die, like they get smarter. Yep. Um, like it, for some reason, it like the 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 weird the weirdness of the eeriness of chorus like kind of reminded me of that game i would agree with that 100 percent. just like this are they sentient type setting like yeah i i've got that as well um i'm not even a big fan of space shooters and i'm intrigued by this game so i'd agree it was one of the better things that were shown but that bar is pretty low if you ask me based upon what we've talked about so far uh, and then just a couple a couple cleanup things we're going to discuss before we go um vampire the masquerade 2 bloodlines basically they just released a trailer saying it's going to be a next gen game as well as current gen uh mm-hmm. that does have smart delivery on xbox so if you buy the xbox one version you get the series x version not that you free. can necessarily tell because that game oh, i'm sure it's gonna be great in terms of what it is but it doesn't look too good it doesn't really. It looks, yeah, I'd agree with that. I've I've seen a lot of red flags with that game so far. The trailer they put out is pretty cool, though. Pretty disturbing. Yeah, I mean, like, like content-wise, that trailer is really cool. But, like, the visuals, I'm just like, well, I didn't expect much. I mean, it's not like the original game was a looker for its time, either. Yeah. But... But now you can see the ugliness in 4K, Matt. Yes, it's very, very in your face. Maybe not so smart delivery. Yeah, exactly. Stay back. (laughs) And then lastly, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon is going to be a launch title for Xbox Series X. Um, and obviously, it's leaving the confines of PlayStation. It's coming. Multi- it's basically going full multi-platform. PC, mm-hmm. Xbox One, PS4. Um, and it does have smart delivery as well on Xbox One and Series X. Uh, that game looks freaking crazy, by the way. It's been yeah. out in Japan for a long time. That trailer that they put out for it is bonkers. Like it's just yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, the Yakuza games are some of the most consistent things in the in the yeah. industry for the last two ge- two or three generations, really. Um, Obviously, I'm, this I am is a gl- big departure for it, though. Yeah, but I am glad to see them. You know, making the leap to other platforms, to PC, to Xbox. You know, more people, time. more people yeah. get to play this, the better. 
Yeah. Um, and also being part of Game Pass, you know, it's very accessible. Like it's very right, easy, very easy to play some of these games uh, for very cheap or very reasonable. Um, and I encourage everyone, I encourage everyone who, who's willing to to play Yakuza Zero uh, as soon as you can. Um, but this looks really cool, like a like a, a nice reinvention. And you have to reinvent the franchise because you can't just make me play the same game with no uh, Kazuma Kiryu in it. Um, so changing it up this hard, like I know that some of the purists are a little like wary about it, but I think if you're going to change it to the point that you have a new protagonist, a new story, you finish the the the, the, the Kazuma story, like yeah, you got to make something new. And uh, it seems like they have. I also dig the fact that the English title is finally the actual title of the series, right? Yeah, because uh, in Japan the title is like a dragon. Yep. Yeah. It's um, been that way all along. So. so that's fun. Yep. Um, overall, do you think? And also, by the way, you guys should start getting your questions into chat for our Q and A. But overall, this event it was a big deal. How much damage do you think it really did? Because here's the other thing: after this ended. I put up a poll on Twitter. And usually when I put up a poll on Twitter, it gets like 300, 400 votes, something like that before it ends. This one exploded. It had almost, I think, 1,500 votes by the time it was all done, uh, which is a pretty good sample size. And mm-hmm. once that, and the, there were four options, basically. Um, and one was like, I'm buying it no matter what. The other one was like, the next one was, it, it's better than Xbox One, but but PlayStation 5, the third one was I'm buying both, and then the fourth one was no way, I'm not buying it no matter what. And between the two options that would have people either buying or not buying an Xbox Series X, 50% of all respondents said they were getting one, which I thought was pretty darn good. Uh, I really thought the number would be way lower than that. I think they're going to have to disappoint with their first-party presentation to do any real damage. Yeah, It does not seem as if, despite everybody whining and moaning, at least in my poll, and I've said this before, and we did a ton of polling on game trailers. Once you have 5,000 votes on a poll, it really never changes. And we got 1,500. So these results are pretty reliable. Um, and for half of all respondents to say that they, were, they weren't just, just going to buy an Xbox. Like, I think it was like 23 or 24% said that, you know, I'm buying it no matter what. And then the other... 27% or whatever was people who were also buying a PlayStation 5, but still, half of our respondents, that's a lot. Um, I was pretty impressed. It's more than I would expect. Yeah, I was surprised by it. It didn't start that way either, I should add. Like, I checked it out like an hour after I launched it, and it hadn't really like blown up yet. I think there was like 300, and at that point, it was like 41% of respondents were going to buy a Series X. And then, by the time the 24 hours was up, then it was all the way. So... Mm up to 50. So I think that's pretty good. I think if you're Microsoft, you got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. I think especially after that. Um, and we'll see. You know, hopefully they have something to show in July that really kind of blows the doors off and makes it an even more desirable platform. Um, I, I'm not sure what that would be, but this must be something in there. And they did kind of like preface like, we're going to show you what the, our new acquisition studios are working on. You know, they're, they got stuff coming next year. That kind of thing. Like, I'm not seeing the urgency of launch day purchase yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but hopefully the first party stuff solves that. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be yeah. the hope. I mean, chances are that's what I'm going to buy it for anyway. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, for me personally, I am i don't know what that would be unless they've actually got a, a Fable game for, for launch up their sleeve. That seems unlikely I, to me. That's very unlikely, um, yeah. But, like, the idea that I would, there, there would be something between, like, um... 
something between like uh, Forza 8 and Halo Infinite that makes me definitely have to have that system day one is is I'm skeptical. My my mo- actually my most likely scenario I feel is there is some third party thing probably Assassin's Creed that runs best on that system and so I want it to play that game in the best possible form. And that may be the game that Microsoft is a plan because it learned that lesson with the Xbox 360. They so, could do worse. They could absolutely. definitely do worse. Mitch, what about you? Do you have any uh, any other takes besides uh, the messaging that you mentioned earlier? Um, I think that something they do need to make abundantly clear is showing off the actual Xbox Series X graphical performance gameplay or trailers or whatever because... Uh, with this smart delivery, the messaging is a little confusing of understanding what am I looking at? Am I looking at Xbox One X or am I looking at Xbox Series X? I think that's where the confusion comes into play for me. And I think in general, their messaging. I, I, I can tell you right. I can help you right now, Mitch. It was Xbox Series X. They're never going to show the version that looks worse ever. It was all Xbox Series X. I can promise you that. Oh, I bet it is. I just think they. And in the future, when there's a PlayStation press conference, and you're wondering if it's the PS4 version or the PS5 version, well, I don't have to worry about that. Version. (laughs) I I don't have to worry about that because I can't play PlayStation Five on my PlayStation Four. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're always going to on the Xbox. You're always going to see the best looking thing. Yeah, but what I'm talking about is if there are games that are going to run both on PS4 and PS5, and they show that game, you it's the PS5 version guaranteed every time. They'd be idiots to show anything, but or I guess sometimes on uh, Microsoft it could be PC, right? Yeah, and I would guess that some of that stuff that we saw in this event were was probably running on PC. <laughs> but what is a PC? I'm sure the dev kit for Series X looks just like Series X, but it's just a freaking PC anyway. So pretty much, I think those whole all those lines are starting to blur at this point. And I, look, I don't think it hurt Microsoft that much, but I do think it was a disappointing presentation, um, mm. and not for the same reasons a lot of other people were freaking out about because they lied to me or any of that. Just what they showed just wasn't impressive, and what they yeah. they elected to show was a disappointment. It was actually in that regard probably smart to separate it from the first party stuff. Yep. And that you're right. So in that you're right. In that way they did make one right decision, but they made a lot of wrong ones. And hopefully they learn from it. Microsoft does seem to be pretty nimble and it doesn't always, you know, necessarily make the same mistakes twice. So uh, hopefully they hey, Xbox sad, <laughs> yeah. Xbone. Let's I can name it. See, but yeah, it's so <laughs> Some, funny. Someone in the naming department needs to get a new yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't care about that. I really don't. I, I have already owned a console called a Wii and a Wii U. Uh, I getting caught up on the naming. I think that's yeah. I, well, I just still. I the, the the Xbox thing is just weird because like first first off, it's the same way we named X Play. I mean, Xbox never, is just dumb from the beginning. We just, we just never came up with a better name. It, it was, was a placeholder that ended up on the <laughs> official branding, and then Xbox 360 doesn't mean anything. Like I still don't understand why it's called 360 because it's a revolution. Yeah, the, you turn, or that old well, no, meme, I, know, you turn, I know why it's 360. It's because that was the first console that was 360. As in, like, you could use all the apps, you could watch video on it, you could play video games on it. That's why it was called 360. 360 oh. what? It's 360 of entertainment. You get the whole caboodle. 360 is a phrase that was used back then, especially in a lot of, like... A lot of meetings I went to at Viacom, that phrase was thrown around like 80 times per meeting. Okay, see, like that's exactly my point, though. But it I've dates never, it. I've never heard that 
expression no. before. Me so either. in that oh, context. Oh, we just hit the top of the hype train. <laughs> oh, we got a new emote. I'm going to share it with all y'all. Thanks, guys. We had a bunch of you guys have been. Tiny2K gave us a bunch of uh, tier one subs. Um, Sound Wizard did it right at the beginning of the show. Thank mm. you, guys. You're all... And now, you're, now you're stuck with Xbox. Xbox One also doesn't make any sense. And then, like, now you're with the S and the X thing. And it's like S and X. Not only are they, like, weird choices of, of consonants, but they also yeah. sound kind of similar if you're saying them fast. Like... I, I hear it. I, I they have a. They have. I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter. I mean, PlayStation was a dumb name at the beginning too. But like, it. They all are. And then you just, they just you just start saying them, and you forget about it. Like nothing's. I just think. They, I, I think I mean, the Series uh, X thing is just sort of like. Eh, I mean, like we in some countries is like the alternative for Wang. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't get any worse than that. And still, after two months, we just said it. It's just. It just. Yeah. It's the way it is. It's but like Nintendo a, eventually moved away from it. And yeah. uh, well, I, I, it did two generations. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, okay, let's get to some questions. This show ended up being a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I really thought when this show started, it was going to be like 90 minutes, but it did not work out that way. Uh, Bobby Budnick, thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Oh, first question from OTAPS What's going on, man? Uh, with the next generation of console looking to harness the power of SSD and giving the developers a chance to tap into the benefits that SSD offers, is there a chance that PC rigs don't have SSD might suffer, get left behind, or be negatively impacted in some other way? If this is a good question, actually. If SSD becomes the norm for developers to create off of, will this create a need for SSD in the PC market? That's a really, really good question, Otavs. I think it definitely will. That's one of the best questions someone's asked in quite a while on the show. Yeah, I, I never even thought about it, but he's absolutely right. If they start building these games with the idea that you have an SSD, so Matt, a month or so ago, was talking about how the SSDs will eliminate those really long hallways or those elevators where the game is obviously loading. That stuff's going to be all gone. But what if a player doesn't have an SSD drive that can load that stuff fast enough? What do you do? Mm -hmm. They're not going to develop advantage, a different version with the hallway no, but, or the elevator. No, but the advantage in on the PC is you can theoretically load a fair amount into RAM if you have enough RAM. That's true. Um, which you can generally have. Generally on a PC, you're going to have more RAM than than a console does. Um, the other thing is like I already notice you know because I have my PC. My, my PC is half a decade old, but I have a one uh, one like a one terabyte uh, SSD as the C drive, and then I have two 13 terabyte. 7200 rpm drives and i definitely notice on more recent games if i put them on the slower drives oh yeah um oh, it's yeah. noticeable it's it, yeah, you know it makes a sure. difference oh yeah I do and the that's same just going to be more and more prevalent as you move forward and when you once you hit these things that are not you know designed for to use that for whatever i mean i don't know what you do to work around it as a developer I can. but i don't think yeah I, I think you're just stuck with it. at a certain point you got to buy a buy an ssd for your for your rig and like that's i mean in terms of up, upgrading that's not a huge expense like it's now when i like when i built my pc the one that's sitting next to me right now i got like a i think it's 128 gig just for the os and that ssd was expensive um just for 128 gigs now though that that uh, mitch has been building his pc on sifted hq um, now I'm seeing some of the prices that he's getting for some of those parts, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So that's, like, SDs has really, really come down. Um, yeah, and I would say on top of that, the uh, <clears throat> that now motherboards have that M2 drive, 
So yeah. it's it's basically almost mandatory now that it's saying yeah. like mm -hmm. you might as well put that SSD in because that hard drive ain't gonna fit in that nice little slot we have for you. Yeah, yeah. and, and I'm the same uh, as you. I have an SSD for my OS, and then I have two mechanical drives that I use for storage. Yeah, and my so my SSD on this I just it is a, it is one terabyte, and as I recall, it cost me like three seventy five in yeah. twenty fifteen. Yep. Um, but um, it was so worth it to run the OS off that. It, it, oh, um, look, if you are building a PC right now, you have to have your OS on the SSD. There's just, mm -hmm. there's no going back once you've done it. Like, I, I couldn't imagine having my, having my OS on one of these old clunky drives now. It's just, it changes everything. And that's what I did. I just got a drive big enough to put my OS on it. And then I used the other, the cheaper drives for storage. Yeah. I mean, if I were to build a new one now, I would probably go almost all SSD. Yep. If I could afford it, for sure. Mm -hmm. Great question, OTAFs, man. Awesome work. Uh, here's one from Commander Fett 3 As always, go at Sifted Games in chat so we can find your questions, because otherwise we have to sort through where you guys are just talking to each other. Uh, since we're coming up on next gen, do you think that it would be a good time to bring back some dead franchises? And if so, which ones would you like to see? I mean, Fable <laughs> looks like I, I think we know coming. that that's coming, though. Um, I would like to see them make another X-Wing TIE Fighter game. Um, that's not a dead franchise as much as EA tried uh, this generation, Star Wars. But, uh, yeah. Um, I want another South Park game. Those games were just good. Yeah, mm. they're not dead, though. I mean... Yeah, I would be surprised if that games. wasn't in the works somewhere. Yeah, they're probably being made right now. Yeah, trying to come up with another gross Dark Cloud. Party. Remember that PS2 JRPG? Oh, yeah. I love Dark Cloud. Yep, they Dark disappeared. Cloud 2 was really good. They disappeared after the PS2 era. I wouldn't mind seeing another one of those. Yeah, so they could I'd do be with down with that. Hardware. Do you consider I, Dead Space? I want another. Yeah, Dead Space would count. Uh, the yeah. people that made that are gone though, so I don't know if I'd want them to just hand that over to someone that isn't uh, visceral. That last game um, really left a stain. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was because of uh, executive meddling more yeah. than what the. I'm but sure, again, but, I, it's, but again, it's it's over. I think yeah. that's over. The other the others I would say would be, um, uh, I'd love to see a new Burnout, and um, oh, I just had one. I just had one, but Dead Space blew it out of my head. Um, hmm. It's a Konami game, Suikoden. I'd like to see someone take oh, yeah. a crack at Suikoden again. Yeah, could you imagine? I just budget Suikoden. I just like a Suikoden collection, please. Yeah, like anything like that. That's the, actually I didn't mention that during the Tony Hawk section, but like two games isn't a collection. Nope. <laughs> That's true. Let's, let's just get that out of the way. Two games you can't call it a collection if there's only two games. It has to be at least three for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Next question um, from Justin Horman. What's going on, Justin? Uh, George Lucas has been quoted as saying he wanted the wonderful Toshiro Mifune to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do you think this would have worked well if you were sent back in time and had to have anyone different than Sir Alec Guinness to play Obi-Wan, who would it be? I mean, if I have to replace Guinness with somebody, it probably would be Mifune. Um, what about Anthony Hopkins? Hopkins is too young at that point in time. Yeah, I guess he was. Yeah. Um, but he would have been, I think, a pretty good Obi-Wan. He would have been a little creepier, <laughs> but yeah. like, yeah, you, I mean, it would, it would be an interesting move. I would, I, if you're talking about that kind of people who are old now to go back and recast, like I would also look just for funsies. I would have Malcolm. I'd like to see Malcolm McDowell play Obi Wan Obi Wan Kenobi just to like see what he did with that because he's he's uh, unique. Um, no, I think Mifune is probably the right move if you're not going to do again. I mean, look, I don't know if it becomes a major hit that way just because. Uh, 
Guinness kind of lends his gravitas to it, and so would Mifune, but Mifune, I don't know what his English skills were at the time. Um, and then you might alienate the mainstream audience that made it such a huge hit. So, uh, yeah, which sucks, but like, especially because Mifune was the inspiration for that character. Yeah. Right down to the outfit. Um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see like a Mifune, but again, sometimes that stuff is just like you're, 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 the original casting just isn't quite what you think it is. No matter, you know, it's like the Eric Stoltz as, as, uh, Marty McFly and Back to the Future. You watch some of that footage and it's just like, no, it doesn't work. It just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fly. I would love to see. I would love to see the original footage of the original Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, which was um, who was that? That was I can't, I'm blanking on his name. He was the guy from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, played Dorian Gray. And they um, shot for what was it? Three months before? No, it wasn't that long. It was, it was a couple weeks. It was like a oh, week. Okay, I thought and it was they, a couple And they brought in um, they brought in uh, Vigo. Um, God, I can't remember. I can't remember who that was. Um, a very pretty person. Very pretty man. Um, <laughs> That could be anyone. It uh, could no, be it, me. <laughs> Stuart Townsend. Uh, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't working. And uh, they brought, they flew in Aragorn. They flew in uh, Viggo Mortensen, like with no prep. Like he, he was had, great, though. Oh, he was perfect. He was yeah. exactly what they needed. But, they nailed uh, that casting for sure. Uh, next up, Eth Demon. Here's one for Matt. Um, have you seen High Score Girl? I know you normally uh, not into anime, but it's a celebration of arcade fighting games from mm-hmm. the early '90s. Um, well, two things. Uh, I am into anime, just not anything made in the last like 20 years, more or less. Um, like I loved it when I was growing up and watching. So like, once you hit like kind of the the, the early 2000s, sort of like shonen and harem crap. Like I basically I'm out outside of like Studio Ghibli and like. Um, Shinkai films and uh, Satoshi Kon and stuff like that, but I am aware of High School High Score Girl. Um, like I see a lot of my a lot of my pro fighting game friends watch it and like have done like commentary stuff on it on Twitter and things. Uh, it does look good. I just it, it's just not a priority. Like one day I will probably will watch it. Um, also, as far as like anime viewing, I am still sl- slowly grinding through Legend of the Galactic Heroes. With my friend uh, on on the, the DVD set I bought of that Blu-ray set I bought of that, which is something like 800 hours. Um, it's it's a very big epic space opera series, uh, but again from like the late 80s, which is my preferred era of anime. I like it when it was still more hand drawn. But I will probably get to high school high score girls just because of um, the clips I've seen. Like do seem very very true to the old arcade scenes. Like I, I recognize myself in a lot of those those scenes I've seen posted. So yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it. Okay. Uh, from Schneeky, Shalid, Shanake. Uh, so Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, the remake is an epic exclusive on PC and people are losing their mind. Why? It's a store, buy it, and move on. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I really don't. No, I don't, uh, I don't understand the hatred of the epic store. I don't either. I love it. I get a free game like every three days. <laughs> like I'm sitting here and they're like, hey, Shane, here's a free game. I click the link and I have a free game. How can you not like that? Like, it's great. Like, take advantage of it right now because it's not going to last forever. Eventually, Epic's going to be like, okay, we've spent our allotted money of getting people on our service and they're going to stop giving away as many free games. So get on there. Get the free games. I don't get it either, sneaky. I don't. I don't get why people hate Epic Game Store. I love it. I have it, and I have Steam. You don't have to choose. You can use both. Like I, I don't get it. That's why I get. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Like if something's on the on the Epic Store, I want. I'll get it on the Epic Store. If I prefer to wait, I'll wait. Like I don't. 
It is complete non-issue to me. I don't get it. Yep. Uh, Erebus Jones, Ubisoft confirmed this week the Valhalla will run at 4K 30 on next gen. Uh, if that's the case, was all the talk of 4K 120 and SSDs giving rise to new genres and gameplay tropes wide of the mark? I think, no, I wouldn't go that far. No, I mean, I'll, I mean if you thought, if you think 120 is going to become a standard, you're not playing with reality. Anyway, yeah. like the, the, you're never, I mean, you might, if we get lucky, some stuff will run at 60 in the next I mean, there's gen. a reason why right now we don't have a lot of games that right. run at 120. But you are always going to see developers, especially big, big AAA stuff like Assassin's Creed is going to target a solid 30 and put all the bells and whistles they can visually in there rather than make it run at 60. Like that's just, because you've never, no game has ever sold more because of its frame rate. Yep. So, but they have sold more because of the screenshots and the trailers. Question so, though, uh, with his question, do you think that they may offer the option of 1080p at 60 frames per second, like the current upscale consoles are? It's possible. Like, I don't know, you know, it, that's kind of a per project decision, I think, at least at Ubisoft. Like, and, and, Yubi may prefer to go with visual quality over frame rate level. Like it depends who's making it, I think. Uh, next question from Secret of Man. I just want to know where my man Marcus Beer is these days. Um, Marcus, if you weren't aware, he had some health issues not long ago. He had a heart attack essentially and had to have bypass surgery. Uh, that was right before E3 of last year. When we saw him at E3, he was still recovering from that. In fact, he mm -hmm. did not stay at Pactor's party last year. Uh, I literally walked in. He gave me a hug. He was like, I'm wa I was waiting for you to get here to say hello, and now I'm leaving because he was not feeling well. He has had issues off and on since then. Um, he's been to the hospital a few times with scares. Mm. He's not doing great physically, although I think he has kind of turned a corner and has been better the last couple months. So, But he's like also... He's got to be real careful right now just because he is immunocompromised because of all yeah. the stuff he's had to go through and and in a fairly delicate situation, cardiopulmonarily speaking. And if he get were to get COVID-19, it would probably do a serious number on his uh, respiratory and, yeah. and uh, circulatory system. So he's, you know, he's he's having the worst of it in terms of this current period. He can't I think. go out. Yeah, yeah so he, if any of you guys decide to get cavalier and be like, I'm not wearing a mask, you could kill Marcus Beer. Yeah, Marcus is the kind of think person that, that you're trying to protect with the mask. Right, yeah, like, so I think people have a hard time understanding why the, people that talk about, oh, you're taking away my freedom. No, you're taking away my freedom to live, bro. <laughs> like, I don't really care about you getting your nails done or your hair cut. I care about people living and dying. And so... Mm. Next time you're walking out of the house and you're like, I don't need that mask, maybe you'll think about people like Marcus Beer, who could absolutely die if they get this virus. Just a thought. Um, one last question for Minority Games. Elder Scrolls Online, is it similar to Skyrim? Is it worth getting into to tide over Elder Scrolls fans? What does it do better? Great question, Minority. Um, no. <laughs> to, the short answer is no. It's not like playing Skyrim. It's an MMORPG, and it does have all the tropes of MMORPGs, meaning mm -hmm. lots of the quests are repetitive. They're stupid, in my opinion. To go yeah. here and kill five of these things and come back and get your reward. Yeah, I mean, it, it plays... You can recognize the Elder Scrolls under it. Like, it's, you know, you can sort of feel like it, but... Yeah, the the narrative is not strong, like and and the sense of exploration is not there in the way it is in something like Skyrim. It's it's 
it's good and it's better than nothing. But if you go into it expecting a Skyrim level experience, you are going to be disappointed, I would say. Yep. I think that's a very safe assumption. Like it is very, because <laughs> I played a fair amount of it and it is very hard for me to care about what any of the NPCs say. Yep. Like, I just, I'm just like, I'm just like, get through it. Show me where the quest marker is and I'll get there. I, you know, and, and like walk, the, the, the appeal to me is mainly walking around and seeing the, the environments. I actually got a copy of it at PAX party and I finally went home and popped it in. And I literally lasted like 45 minutes. So, <laughs> and I like elder scrolls games. So there you go. I like, Skyrim, I like all those games. I do not like the older scrolls online. Actually, and let me in um, relation to the Marcus thing, let's stop for a second because of V Hero Games says uh, a mask only stops you spreading if you got it, not receiving though. Common no, misconception. What are you talking about, dude? Uh, hang hang no. on, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Common uh, misconception. If you see somebody with a mask in the street, I immediately think either they have it or not clever. No. No. The point of the mask is that if you have it, you don't spread it. Yes, it doesn't protect you if you if you someone without a mask it has it is sneezing on you or whatever. But it will. But no, it's it won't. Like, it will. No, it, no, will. It, will. No. it will. It will. It will. Shame. Shame. Is, no, no, it will. A sneeze no. is X amount of vapor. That mask is going to stop some of that vapor. Just, <laughs> no, it won't. Because it, it won't will. stop. It won't stop for a second. Some of that vapor. I am trying. I am. Tr I am. No, it won't. I am trying to explain this. Stop. It doesn't stop the virus because the virus is one micron wide. Cloth doesn't do that. N95 masks can do that, but cloth doesn't. The purpose of the masks is because the spread of the virus is mostly through droplets you exhale and spit out when you talk or when you sneeze or cough, or whatever. And the mask will stop those droplets and keep them inside your mask. So you are not exposing someone if you happen to have it. The problem is a lot of us, most of us, the vast majority of us do not know if we have it because asymptomatic cases are yep. so huge and there's no widespread testing, at least certainly not in America. Um, so you have to wear these masks to protect each other. You're not trying to prevent yourself from getting it. You have to behave as though you have it at all times because for the most, most of us don't know if we have it or not. Like that's all there is to it. Like, mask everyone definitely wearing... will lower the odds though because some of those droplets are going to land on the material. You'll that's probably still but get no. sick because one Shane. of them is going to make it through, but... You're good. It's not going to be as much. The the protection is for for other people. That's I why that. it's. That's, I get that. But that's I'm on why your it's team, Matt. A, I'm on your that's side. That's why it's such a. But then, <laughs> but you can't say stuff like that because then someone finds out that scientifically, no, it doesn't really protect you from something like that of his cloth, and then they think you were wrong or lying, and then you have to be accurate. No, because it's the stuff. truth. It does. You're no, not. It is. It's not. So you're telling me that every droplet of water that is in the air is going to find that little microscopic piece between the threads no. and it, what i'm saying is that it's going to stop some no, of it it won't what i'm saying is stops almost nothing 99 <laughs> stops it stops 99 of nothing anyway it, this is it, a gaming it, podcast so where what mask. i'm saying is <laughs> you wear, the mask, wear a mask, the mask protect is, yourself protect others one of the masks is to stop the droplets coming out of your mouth not to stop anything from someone else but if they're Care about also others, wearing a, wear a mask they're also wearing a mask it all works that's right wear a mask protect yourself that's all it is. Protect others because I don't want my mom to get sick because you didn't yeah. know you were sick and you're walking like around. If both people are wearing a mask. You're you're talking about dropping the infection chance from seventy percent to something like one point five percent. It's a massive change. Yep. That's all you can. Note, you could you could stop the the spread of it just by doing that if you're uh, smart about it. On a side note, J M Rain ninety nine gifted another five subs for a grand total of fifteen. On awesome, the man. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Jam Rain just jumped in there at the end. Thank you, man. That is awesome. We hit the hype train today. That's freaking awesome. You guys are sweet. 
And that's it for Game Face 211. Uh, I'm Shane Satterfield. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Matt at M. Kyle on Twitter. You can find Mitch at Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. As I said, we are 100% supported by generous donations like all the people that are on this stream and all our patrons and all our subscribers at Sifted.net. If you're watching this or listening to this for free on YouTube or on one of the podcast feeds, Kick us a buck or two, man. Like everybody else right now, we could really use it. If you're getting three hours of entertainment a week out of it, man, that's worth a buck or two a month, right? Uh, so anyway, head on over to, to uh, patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a buck or two. We will really appreciate it, and we will notice it. We notice every dollar that is pledged to our Patreon. So on behalf of Mitch and Matt uh, and the rest of the Invisible Walls or the Invisible Walls crew. I've really <laughs> lost it today. Now I have really lost it in quarantine. Time really doesn't mean anything. In <laughs> it really doesn't anymore. <laughs> on behalf of the rest of the Game Face crew, everybody stay safe and have a great week. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.